to the MinMax Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined in studio by Jeff Marchiafava. Social distancing. Really keeping his distance. Yep. Thank you for being here, Jeff. Yep. It's an honor. But uh, we're not alone, thankfully. No. We have, out of the shadows, Kyle Hilliard. Ah, special ah. Welcome. We have Serial Vasquez. Hello. From his freaky dormitory. And then, <laughs> first time on the MinMax Show podcast, in particular, Matt Burtz. Hello, guys. Oh, Long my time gosh. to speak. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, we had you for a standalone discussion uh, talking about your life after Game Informer um, and then also talking about Rainbow Six Patriots. But how have you been? Where have you been? What have you been up to? I've been busy. Uh, I'm I'm in the consulting game now, so a lot of uh, research and uh, game playing, which is fun, playing uh, games that are not in a state for the, the consumer yet. But being able to offer your feedback, you know, at the early junctures and empowering. I like it. Yeah, does it uh, has it changed your perspective on the industry? Like at Game Informer, you were there for so long. I feel like you had a good handle, on, at least from the press vantage point, into how you know some things work in the industry. But has this been like an eye-opening experience for you overall? Yeah, uh, speaking to the consumers is really an interesting to, to hear from. You know, the actual players go beyond the, the Reddit rage lines. You know that you're seeing everywhere and having yeah. frank conversations with people. And then on the business side, you know, it's. You learn about how many different stakeholders are in a particular company and how there's such a push and pull throughout the organization around a game. Yeah. And that is definitely uh, eye-opening. And you see it have an effect on the game design at times? Uh, yes. Uh, the conversations that lead to the game design, I'd say. Mm. Uh, do you want to give a plug for your company? I hate to say the name because I am scared <laughs> of it. Yeah, no problem. I'm working at a consulting firm called Magid, M-A-G-I-D. Gotcha. Great. We've got a really great team of people that have been uh, in the industry forever and a lot of people that have been talking to consumers. We've talked to over a million a year. So it's, it's a really interesting company that's got a lot of different perspectives to share. Yeah, right on. Well, hey, plug. Yeah, you got it. Well, we have a lot to cover on this episode. Uh, I'd argue this is like, this might be the strongest week for games in 2020, realistically here. Yeah. We're talking about uh, Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Animal Crossing, uh, Controls DLC, maybe a little bit of Warzone thrown in there as well. There's a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, Burtz, you actually reviewed Doom 2016 while at Game Informer, right? Absolutely. Perfect. So I can't wait to hear your take on Doom Eternal. But uh, table setting before that, I want to remind people, MinFax, which is our weekly Q&A for $20 supporters on Patreon, we're going to have the call-in version this Sunday. So this Sunday at 6 p.m. Central, if you want to call in and actually record a podcast with us, you can support us at the $20 tier, even just for one month. We can have a lovely chat. We'll get through everybody there. So we're looking forward to that. Um, and then also, we're going to talk a little bit about Animal Crossing on this episode. But if you are hungry, if you just want just a full inventory's worth, Jeff Marchiafava, of Animal Crossing discussion. Yeah, check it out. It's called The Deepest Dive. This is a standalone video. Uh, it's on our YouTube channel. But then also we have the audio version uh, in the podcast feed, which is exclusive to Patreon supporters at the $5 tier. But uh, it's the deepest dive. So it's our game club discussion. So we go as in-depth as possible talking about Animal Crossing New Horizons. And none of the cohorts uh, wanted to join me on that one, which is fine. <laughs> which is fine because we got somebody better. So we yeah. got uh, Ana Diaz, who has been on the mm -hmm. Min Max Show podcast. Then we got uh, Sarah Podzorski, who used to be on the 8-4 play. So she has like a localization expertise. She uh, helped out with the localization on like Xenoblade Chronicles X and Monster Hunter World and stuff. So she's an expert there. And then uh, Kelsey Lewin, who is the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation. So when it comes to video game history and specifically Animal Crossing history, mwah, uh, it's a great dream team. So check that out. Also, 
Couple other things. This Friday, uh, we have the second episode ever of Min Tracks, which is our music podcast with Matt Helgeson. Uh, and there's a very special guest, one Bianca Reichert. Mm. That's an odd pairing, but it's going to be fun to check out and see what Do albums they're they just talk about how weird Dan is the whole time? We'll see. Tune <laughs> yeah. in to find out. But that's a separate podcast feed, so you can find that uh, anywhere you find podcasts. That's so M-I-N-N-T-R-A-X. Yeah, Matt Burtz, uh, we have Helgeson doing a music podcast. I know. I, I've, I've listened. I'm aware. Oh, good. That's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's having a good time with it. We're going to be recording it uh, remotely, but we'll have like the video on the screen and all that stuff to make it as easy and as cozy as possible for everybody. But okay. Doom Eternal. Um, Serial, how much have you played of Doom Eternal? Uh, I'm almost done with it. Uh, I have maybe one or two levels left. Kyle, have you dabbled? Uh, no, not at all, actually. Great. Sorry. Jeff, I'll, I'll turn off my light again. I'd appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Go back into darkness. Uh, yeah, I think I'm about a third of the way, okay. I'm guessing. And Matt Burtz, where are you standing? I'm into second playthrough. Awesome. Great. Okay, there Burtz, what do you think of this thing? This was uh, kind of exactly what I wanted out of the sequel, to be honest. Um, you know, I really liked the 2016 reboot because I felt like it found a way for Doom to be relevant in the modern shooter space again. You know, after Doom 3, there was a lot of soul-searching that happened within the walls of its software, and I think they came out on the other side, you know, going against the grain in a lot of design senses and really pushing for that fast-paced arcade play style, and I think it worked great. Uh, the one thing that I kind of, my main criticism that I levied against the last game was halfway through, it kind of it ran out of tricks to throw at you. And I definitely uh, think through this game that they keep that pace ramping the entire time up to the big boss fight at the very end. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like the overwhelming sensation on, on Twitter and beyond is just everybody saying, like, what a rock-solid game. Like, it's unbelievable how solid this game is from beginning to end. But, Serial, what do you think of this thing so far? Yeah, I definitely, uh, I liked Doom 2016. Uh, I wasn't, like, as crazy about it as a lot of people, but I, I definitely, it felt unique just because it was kind of, it was a better version of, like, Doom, but it, it felt like it stood out among, like, a lot of shooters. Like, anything with aim down the sides, basically, it was like, no, we don't need that. We don't, we're not going to do, like, recovering health. We're just, we're going to force you to be aggressive. And this feels like it's just doubling down on, like, you have all these, like, tools available at any given time, and you have, you can fire them all off at once, and it feels a lot more um, engaging to just, like, okay, I have this weapon, I can use it here, I can, like, light them all on fire so that I get armor if I kill them and like throw one of my two grenades out and then I'll get a bunch of armor but your health is constantly going up and down like crazy on the higher difficulties so you're constantly like making all these really interesting decisions about like okay who which one of these like five ultra powerful demons am I going to prioritize so I this one I'm definitely a lot more uh into than than 2016. Yeah uh Jeff you're saying that you can't play it for too long of a stretch because it's too intense after a while well for a long of a stretch in terms of like when I hit the four hour mark, it's like, right. okay, I, it's, I've been playing too long at this point. It is, it is remarkable how they keep that pace up and the intensity. And I, I really like the level design and they do, they do a great job. They're very big levels that you're exploring and they do add a lot of interesting exploration and in trying to find all these little hidden secrets and everything like, like the series always has had, but the, but the just the pace and how they space out the different fights, it is it is a constant battle. You know, I I don't want I slog sounds like a like a pejorative. A positive it, slog. Yes, a positive slog. It mm. it is just constant battling and 
and you can't really call it mindless action either. That's that's kind of the interesting thing. Like you are you are just blasting demons in the face constantly, but there is that strategic layer on top of that where you're kind of managing your ammo resources, switching between which weapons are most effective depending on who you're going against and then like Suriel was saying you're you're managing the health and armor and ammo which which you can trigger when you're attacking enemies depending on which kind of attack you use and so there is that strategic layer even though it's so incredibly fast paced yeah yeah resource management in a Mach 1 jet you know it's uh-huh. <laughs> yeah because like I, I think as this is one of those games that I like usually I don't necessarily make recommendations about difficulty but I think this is a game that that definitely gets a lot better when you're when it's really testing you because you start th- you start making those decisions under like tighter pressure and you start like really thinking about like what is the like the best way to do this not just like what's the most fun way to do it but I think like there are encounters that I had to try multiple times um, but like learning how to do encounters better and it just makes you better at combat, which makes the game more fun. Um, and I also think that like one, the, the one way that I will sell it to Kyle, who, who uh, told me earlier that he is not interested in like Doom 2016 was that I think the map is really good. And like uh, Fava said, I think the collectibles do a really good, like that map um, helps you really like, here's, here's a thing where you can solve a, a tiny puzzle to get a collectible. And those upgrades are like really uh, crucial in like making sure that you're keeping up with the difficulty ramp. Because I think 20, uh, 2016 also had like a lot of that stuff, but the levels were a little bit more spacious and you did a lot more like, where is the secret? And like, what, like should I be looking for, you know, hidden objects at this point? Whereas here, it tells you directly, like, here's a, a space where you should stop and look around. And it, because uh, there'll be a question mark on your map, but it's more about like, okay, how do I get to the thing versus like, should I, uh, like trying to scan every part of the map uh, to see if there might be like a breakable wall or something. So, and that helps it keep up momentum of like, you're always pushing forward in this really like, um, like engaging way. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, uh, for, for Kyle, uh, there's a lot of Mario level design that you see later in the game where there's like oh, really? challenges to get to secrets. They really are unafraid to just embrace the video game of doom. They're, they're not trying to tie it into the narrative. They're like, you know what? You, got, you just fought a ton of demons. We're going to throw some platforming challenges at you now. Yeah, yeah and I actually think that plat, like first-person platform can be hard, but I think this does it really well. Like mm-hmm. you have a, you, you eventually get like a couple of air dashes, and they have like uh, very specific upgrades that refill your air dashes in the air. So there, there will be sections where you're trying to manage all your dashes while you're jumping from like launch pad to launch pad to like uh, a section where you can climb, and then you're jumping off. And I think they actually pull that stuff off pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, Kyle, you have a double jump and a double dash in the air. So it's basically Mega Man oh. X. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, why aren't I playing this? That's yeah, right. you're really yeah, making a happen. crucial mistake. <laughs> it seems like just from we did the Great Goaty Hunt stream showing like yesterday, and uh, I didn't expect the map to be that cool looking. <laughs> like mm-hmm. The first time Jeff pulled it up, it's like, good God, this is Resident Evil 2S quality map going on here. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, sad. It, and you, you eventually get upgrades that are like, here's every collectible on the map. Uh, and just go get them like and that that's really helpful in like making sure that you're always that it acts as like a pacing mechanism so you're not constantly every second in combat um but they don't last so long there it's like i want to get back to the fight but like right. those interludes are, are short enough that you know, it helps you keep moving forward yeah and, they, and, and I, you don't have to do them all at once mm-hmm. like you have a, you actually have a base it, it's really funny the yeah the player oh. has this floating castle in space called the fortress of doom and it allows you like there's a portal that lets you jump back into levels whenever you want to yeah, and the the other cool thing is that like 
if you if you happen to miss anything right at the end before you basically jump into the portal that'll take you to the next level it lets you fast travel across the level basically to pick up anything you might have missed yeah. so if you see something where it's like i don't know if i'm supposed to come back to this later or if i should do this now you can basically just speed run to the end of the level and then go back and do all the collectibles before you leave which yeah. is actually like one of the smartest things I've seen in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Muir saying, I think I've seen people online talking about too, just the amount of absurd lore in this game is unexpected. Like, I, I think that people liked it in the last one. Like, oh, it's kind of fun that it takes, you know, Doom seriously care. enough yeah. where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. there's some bits and pieces here, but then the fact that they're actually trying to weave a cohesive story going on here. Yeah, it's, they really, they really dived whole hog into the lore and it is, it is confusing and, and like, <laughs> Like Bert said, your home base is a castle in the sky that's kind of a spaceship, and I guess it was created by aliens, but the aliens have been on Earth. It's all very confusing, but they it it is interesting enough lore, and it's kind of this mix between, you know, like the medieval pentagrams and skulls of of doom and then like the sci-fi stuff that I've yeah. I've been reading every kind of codex entry and lore stuff as it comes up, even if I don't completely understand it all. Yeah, are you into that stuff, Bert? Not really. I, I kind of react like the Doom guy does whenever anybody starts laying too much lore on, you know, just walk <laughs> away. Um, but it, it, it does create some funny moments where you they try to, like, reference the Doom Slayer's past and, like, what he's been up to, like, how he got to be who he is. Yeah, but, I, I think there are, like, that's maybe, like, the weakest part of the game for me is that they they delve a lot into, like, why is the Doom guy so powerful? Which is not a, like a thing that people, I don't know how curious they were mm-hmm. about that. But to me, I was just willing, I was willing to suspend my disbelief of like, he's just a guy. And here they, they suss out this extensive backstory of how like, he just, be, he was part of this other race. Well, like he joined, he was a human who joined this other race and was keeping up with them. And then so they like, they granted him a bunch of powers or whatever. And so like, um, they, they do a bunch of that. My problem with it is that it is kind of, it's, it's a little too confusing and it's all delivered mostly through text. So it's like you're, there's one level, I think midway through the game that is literally, I think 10 entries and then a boss. Uh, and it's like the shortest level. Uh, and it's hard to retain a lot of stuff between entries. So there's like, oh, here's what Argent Energy and the Sentinels, and you're kind of supposed to remember all that stuff across the entire game, which is maybe a little much. Um, and I think the like ultimately that stuff is not as interesting as they think it is to me. Um, and so I think it slows down the the pace of the game a little much. But uh, other like, and yeah, the, the overall tone is like Doom 2016 was kind of like, yeah, you can care about this stuff if you want, but you know, in in 2016 it was like, hey, you need to do this because of this, and then like Doom guy would just kind of push the monitor aside and say, I don't really care, I'm just here to kill demons. Right. Whereas here he is very much like a. Uh, I I must kill all the demons, and I have like yeah he he you're buying into that stuff a lot more, and so does Doom Guy. Whereas he uh, in 2016 it was a little bit more irreverent, and I kind of miss that tone here. Yeah. Um. It's but other than that, important. I think it's better. Like the combat is so much better that it doesn't like it doesn't affect my enjoyment of it too much. Yeah. Even yeah, like and the, you don't have to read it. You don't have to read yeah. it. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. The cutscenes might be a little harder to parse, but other than that, yeah, you don't you can just skip it if you want. Yeah, I was amazed that even in the opening, like they show his face well pretty much like that is that a first for doom or did the last one end with that or something i can't remember okay it seems like that's a good hint that like hey we're gonna try and dive it's not quite a halo 4 situation you know but we're gonna get a little bit closer to this guy overall uh birds you're actually you visited id uh while at game informer for that cover story trip right on doom 2016 yeah what uh what did you learn from visiting id during that time about just the reboot and 
I don't know, just their long path to success here. You know, I, I think I learned that uh, I, I believe in Hugo Martin as a creative director. I think that guy's really smart and he understands what makes games fun. Him and Marty Stratton leading that team. Yeah. And they clearly have a lot of talented people underneath them that are making wise decisions. Yeah, even like just the first person animations, I was blown away by. Like they're good the last time around, then just doing during the great Goaty Hunt scene they again. It's like my god, like that team just knocked it out of the park. Even like the climbing animation just feels so compact mm-hmm. and tight. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, like a, a small detail that I really love about this game is the procedural degradation of the enemies. So like when you're running through the battle sequences at a, a breakneck pace, you can visually tell like how taken down an enemy is. So you know, oh maybe I should finish this guy off real quick. Because I know he's close to being dead. Right. It's like, it's some gnarly stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really because you're like, seeing you're seeing bits of their skin fall off, and like beneath them, it's like this weird red glow. So it just looks like they're made from lava. It's it's actually really well done because they it yeah it helps you figure out okay well I should try to finish him off instead of focus on something. Else. Yeah, and uh, there's no death match, but it's like the two v one bizarre multiplayer mode. Has anybody given that a whirl? Yeah, I played it a bit. Uh, not enough where I feel like. You know, I understand the nuances of all the different demon characters or anything, but, right. you know, like, first impression, there's so many good multiplayers out there in this world. Uh, this one doesn't stand up to it immediately. You're more of a Bleeding Edge guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bleeding Edge is where it's at. It's, I mean, I'm curious to see what people think of that game. It just yeah. came out this week from Ninja Theory, and it seems like the reviews on Steam at least are mixed. I'm curious to see where it goes. But we tried a little bit of that multiplayer yesterday. Yeah, I won. I have a 100% win <laughs> ratio. Although somebody dropped out, so it wasn't a 2v1. It was yeah. a 1v1. Which, you know, hey, that's not, that's not his fault. That's yeah. true. That's, that's true. not my fault. He saw how intimidating I was Yeah, <laughs> and got out of there. Yeah, it's... Uh, like I said yesterday, I... I miss the snap map thing, even though people didn't use it. But my my interest in that, I I always love level building stuff. But I also, it it feels like a loss to not have people being able to build their own arenas and kind of create because because it was a pretty robust system and they could create kind of their own objectives and things like that. Right. I would have liked it more from that angle than as opposed to you know I'm going to create a death match arena and yeah. then i'm gonna go play a ton of deathmatch in there you know that's right right we'll come to doom for the campaign and it's good and th- there are master levels that you unlock that are kind of remixes yeah so there is some extended play that you're going to get out of this game but i really wish it would refocus its giant beams towards making more campaign style stuff or enabling the community to do it yeah because that's that's what i'm playing for i'm not playing that game for multiplayer mm-hmm. yeah. i have rainbow six and you know like call of duty and all these other games i can play multiplayer in yeah. Doom is awesome for its level design and the fast-paced action, and I think they need to double down on that. Yeah. yeah. Did they ever implement... Because remember when they revealed the game, they talked about like the invasion thing where you can invade another player's game. I haven't heard anybody talking about it, though. Is it in the game? I think not at launch. Yeah, oh. it's it, 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 coming, I think. But Yeah, it is post-launch stuff, but oh, not, it I don't is. think it's okay. in the game now. All right, sweet. So everybody's on board? They like it more than 2016? Yeah. Yes. Overall, yeah. Wow, sure. there we go. Any chance you're gonna check it out, Kyle? Uh, yeah. No, I. It's um, even without you guys trying to convince me, which is weird that for a moment there it turned into like, let's tell Kyle <laughs> why he needs to play. He it. just looks so. Sad. I, it's one I want to, but I, I'm also like, I have a. It's a good problem to have. I got a huge stack of stuff that I'm excited to play. So yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's lower on there, but I want. Yeah, I want to try it. All right, Kyle. We should probably talk about the big VR release of the week. 
Eric Chalky's yeah. Paper Beast. Let's get into it. That's I definitely this morning remember that that came out yesterday. I am excited. <laughs> How's that? How's remembering that, that game? It's well, like, the thing is, so for the Gaming Ride Home podcast, I, I run down stuff that came out. Yeah. And it, today yeah. I was like, oh, crap, Paper Beast came out yesterday. I didn't talk about it. So it was definitely that moment of like, oh, that Eric Chahi game that is really weird and interesting just totally went up against Half-Life Alex, which is like the worst VR game to go fight against. You it's, know? it's brutal. Like, it looks cool and it's reviewing well, but it's like the creator yeah. of another world, just like a bizarre kind of digitized animal creatures wandering an environment you just go explore and stuff it looks cool and i hope at some point yeah. to check it out like kyle do you have a psvr i don't and that was like one of the first things i did was i was like oh is this out on another platform yeah maybe i'll check it out on uh, quest but no it's just psvr well anyways yeah. hey uh half-life alex did you ever get this thing up and running kyle I did last night. I was I sent Serial uh, a huge text commiserating about all the headaches that I had to go through to get this thing up and running. And then so so that was like my own personal issues uh -huh. that left a really bad taste in my mouth. But then there's a known bug in the tutorial where before you leave the tutorial area, you can't put ammo in your backpack. You have to leave the tutorial area before you can start putting ammo in your backpack. So I spent like five minutes picking up ammo trying to drop it in my backpack and it just fell on the ground and and so like and then <laughs> i googled and people trail. are also having that problem but all of that aside i got it running i played like i was stayed up way too late last night playing i think i'm on like chapter four i don't know if you oh, how wow. where you are surreal that's that's ahead of where four. i am yeah okay i start i i encountered human enemies last night that was like okay. where i ended i was fighting the combine nice uh so what do yeah. you think man okay I like it a lot. It it like it's it's really cool. It is not quite the VR revolution I expected it to be, which is like again like my own problem. Like that's a matter of my own expectations. I thought I was like, well, this is really going to change things, but it does it does feel like VR games I've played before, but it is like the most interesting and most polished version of like a VR shooter that I've ever played, like by a mile. And like the thing that is standing out to me initially, which I was kind of, I was hopeful for, but I'm surprised that it's the thing I'm loving more than anything else, is just like the narrative and the dialogue. And like, because the way it works is you're Alex, you have a voice, which is unique for a Valve game, a Valve like story game. And then uh, Russ is in your ear the whole game, who is played by Reese Darby from like Flight of the Concords and stuff like that. And he's just like telling you stories about the world and like helping you, and he reacts to things you're doing. Like there was. There was I found a porta potty and I went inside of it and he came in on the headset and he's like, oh hey, uh, I can cut the feed uh, for a minute here if you need. <laughs> uh, like I don't mind. And Alex is like, no, I'm just I'm just looking around. And then like he goes, he there's one sequence where she's scared and I as the player was very scared because like it's super dark. I have a flashlight. I'm looking for those black head crabs that immediately yep. cut out all your health. It's terrifying. I really. I like I haven't been that scared by a game yeah. in a while. That that was the scariest part of the game for me so far. Yeah. See, we, like those are enemies that are pretty trivial in in half life well they're not trivial but like they're you you can kind of fight them off pretty quickly but here yeah. because um it's kind of more spaced out like a horror game in that you have a lot of resource management you you have a, you don't have a ton of health so just seeing like three of those i was just like nope i can't i i, I need yeah. to pull out my shotgun which is like the the like immediate like my nuclear option at this point it's just like <laughs> i need to whip out my shotgun i have to get these things dead now and the um, the reload process is so long but in like a really cool way you got to like open the gun you got to stick bullets in there then you got to close it and load it and it's not like a typical reload where like you can just reload constantly like if yeah. you drop your clip 
Like you lose those bullets. Yeah. So and and so like I'm 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 having this terrifying moment and Alex is like, Hey Russ, can you just talk to me about anything so I'm not horrified right now? And he went through the process of how to make a club sandwich. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, yeah, there used to be these things called pigs and that we used to make bacon. And, and she was just like, whoa, that's insane. I can't believe you could get all these ingredients from all these different places. And I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I love learning what the world is like after mm-hmm. the Black Mesa incident. I love and I love that it's coming from Reese Darby because he's just hilarious. Like, right. So that like, there's all this like really cool VR stuff. But the thing that I'm really grabbing onto that like really wants me to m- play more is like just hearing more of that conversation, yeah. seeing more yeah. of the stories. That, that to me like is that. the is the biggest step up for sure. Uh, because yeah. uh, I think in in like even as as good as I, as much as I like them, I think a lot of the the plot in Half Life I think is really strong. But the way it's delivered throughout the game felt like one step above perfunctory, where they were like, "All right, Gordon, because this happened, you need to go here." Yeah, and so in yeah. here it feels like they're doing a lot more. They're they're filling a lot more of the game with actual like interesting bits of information uh, and like some really personal bits. Like they were talking about how they both kind of rate the the their enjoyment of the world. Or like, what's a what like like out of ten? How do you think the world is right now? She's like, ah, it's like a two. And then it's like, I think if we kill the combine and do all these other things, I think we could get it up to an eight. <laughs> uh, and she was like, oh man, an eight out of ten. I don't even know what that feels like. <laughs> Yeah, which yeah. which is a very you know relatable thing nowadays. Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah, think but, I think Russ just said it was a six before the combine, and she was like, yeah. "Really? We weren't higher than that." It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. But like, it's funny. Like, uh, Serial, God bless him, came over here and set everything up. But we streamed a little bit on Mimex's YouTube channel if you want to check out the first hour and a half of the game or so. But even during that, I was struck by like this feels more Firewatch than I imagined, and I wonder if it's just because being a little more clued in and knowing that like Sean Vanneman was a co-writer on the story in the end who's former Campo Santo and stuff before they're absolved into Valve. But have you guys thought about Firewatch? Is that comparison just obvious because of Sean Vanneman or? Well, I mean, mine, because I haven't played Firewatch, oh. my, I think they just took a lot of Portal 2 lessons of yeah. just like having GLaDOS with you and having a humorous character just with you like the whole game. Like that's what Russ is. He's comic relief and he's like well executed. So yeah, I don't, I don't have that point of comparison. I'm, I'm sure you're right. Like that sounds right. Yeah. The, um, Obviously, reviews are off the charts. IGN gave it a 10. I think at Metacritic, it's sitting at like 93. And Cyril, you had an interesting take when we were streaming it where you're like, I'm just not sure if a lot of these people had played a big VR game before. Yeah, so I think that I I agree with Cal in in that it does not feel like, oh, someone finally made a good VR game. I just wonder how much of that criticism is contextualized by like, oh, this is like the first major like story-driven VR game that I've played. Because there has been stuff like that, you know, like the, there's stuff like Asgard's Wrath and, and like even Astrobot, I think, have made good uh, use of like grounding you in the world. Right. And this is combined with like a triple A franchise. And I think the physics stuff that they do is like kind of uh, it, it's improved from a lot of games, but it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, we've invented all of this stuff. They're just doing it better than anybody else. So to me, it doesn't feel like this is a revolutionary like like coming out moment for VR. It just feels like here is the number one game that you should have in VR. But while you're here, here are a bunch of other games that you should play. Like is, is sort of where I'm at. Um, so I'm not like having this overwhelmed reaction. But what I have heard from a lot of reviews and a lot of people who played it is that there are like legitimate set piece, incredible moments that happen later on in the story. So maybe there's just a combination of like starting off, it just feels like okay, here's a good VR game, and then here's where all, like, the, the cool, interesting Valve-specific stuff happens uh, towards the end of the game. But, like, even now, I'm like, this is probably my favorite VR game by a mile. Like, just 
and I, and like the fun of just like seeing all this half-life stuff you know like it, it, the game starts off really strong by showing you like a walker uh from half from the half-life series just like in like pretty close to your in in your face and that that just feels like they're playing with scale in a really strong way and it it helps that they're they start you off on rooftops so that you can get a, a a nice view of the entire town, which feels like a really good moment to have in VR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Longtime gamers have been desperate to return to this universe as well, and there's no doubt that that has to play some role in the conversations yeah. about the game. It's like when a Kojima, yeah. Kojima game finally comes out, like people, you know, he's he's in that rarefied air for so many people. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, I absolutely feel that way. Like it's just exciting to be in City Seventeen again. Like that, I'm just like so excited to be there, that's the even thing. though it's yeah. oppressive yeah. and horrifying. <laughs> like even just like obviously Alex, the, the, you're playing as Alex, so you don't get to see her much. But just seeing like Eli Vance again and hearing people talk about uh, like those characters feels like man, I like I I've missed this. Even though I just like literally last week beat all the episodes and stuff, it feels like oh man, this is really cool. Like I, I like seeing these characters in in new ways and um. Even running it on like an Oculus Quest, is, which is what I'm using, like that that game is impressive technically too. Like it, all the character, it doesn't feel like oh I'm kind of having to sacrifice graphical fidelity because this is a VR game. Like this, this does not feel that way at all. Yeah, even like seeing Valve facial animations in 2020, it's like Jesus, this is looking amazing and fun yeah, to see. Yeah. But uh, so the Oculus Quest thing, I know we talked about it before in the podcast, but that is the cheapest way to experience. Half-Life Alex, yes? Uh, it depends, because there's there's one headset called the Samsung Odyssey, which is like $500, but uh, that's like the headset that almost always is on sale for like $300, but it's kind of, like, it seems like uh, if you want like a, a good, you know, midway point between actual quality and um, price, I think the Quest is probably the way to go. But obviously it was designed for the Index, which is Valve's like $1,000 headset. Um, but I think that if for most people, I think the quest is probably going to be good enough. Like, I don't feel, uh, that I'm missing out on the experience by not having the, um, the knuckles controllers, which is supposed to be able to have like full finger tracking, but I haven't seen the game really use that super well. I saw there was a piano in the game that yeah. you can like fully play, which is pretty sweet <laughs> if you had yeah. full finger tracking like that. But, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel crucial to like gameplay or anything so far. Yeah. I mean, I, as I, I still think even for the, just the long, like it, I think Quest is still a good option just for like the long-term VR play. You know what I mean? It, like if you want to get it for for Alex, but then you can also get like a, a an untethered version of Beat Saber and Pistol yeah. Whip, which is like awesome. You know, like yeah. that's worth it. And, and which, this is, by the way, Beat Saber just got Timbaland DLC, which I know you're very excited about, Kyle. Oh, the shoe guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on. So the Oculus Quest it's a standalone thing, which is great, yeah. and then. But for this, you use Oculus Link, is that what it's called? Where you just plug in a, yeah. a USB cable yeah. and then that's it? Yeah which, yeah, yeah, which I should note is like one of the most finicky set of processes that I have had to deal with in a long time because uh, it was very weird because like Kyle recommended you need a specific 3.0 high-powered USB cord, like USB to USB-C cord. And so I, I Kyle recommended one to me and that one uh, didn't like wasn't connecting for some reason. Um, and so like I was testing out every port on my, on my motherboard and that didn't work. And I just happened to have this really long USB extension cord. And once I plugged it into that, that seemed to work, which was <laughs> weird because you'd think they would make it not work. Um, so that, that and combining with like, I have to set all these different settings so the game doesn't crash on me. Like Steam VR was kind of being a pain in the ass. And so like, it, it just came down to, I have to do a lot of very specific things for this to work. But once it does, it feels awesome. The fact that I have this headset that lets me play all these 
great games and I can untether it to play something like Beat Saber, I think is probably the best VR experience we have so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it was uh, this writer, I think it was Anna, someone tweeted at me about it from The Verge. She made a really good point that like once she got Oculus Quest up and running, like it was like seriously, it was fine. But the problem is is like when you're troubleshooting that, you're working like three layers deep. You know what I mean? You're working on troubleshooting Quest, you're working on troubleshooting Steam, and you're working on troubleshooting Oculus software. So it is there's a lot of hurdles in place for Quest that makes yeah. it complicated. But I mean if I could get it working, <laughs> yeah. The person who can't play a PC you, your, your issue was like one of the most specific that I had ever seen that involved uh, a lot of, that involved multiple tip, trips to Best Buy and things like that. But uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I do. I think maybe the largest negative sentiment is people just saying like, "Oh man, uh, I don't want to get a VR uh, headset just for this." So that sucks. I wish they'd made it an actual game, like an, uh, like not an actual, but like a, a non VR game. Right, but I, right. I do feel like this feels crucially made in VR. This does not feel like it would work nearly as well outside of VR is like a, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that Valve of all people is, is deciding to say like, we're going to make the game that we want to make. Uh, like we would hope that people jump on the bandwagon uh, of VR for this, but if they don't like, at least we got to make the prime example for what VR can be. And I, I, I don't think they should be, uh, like, you know, reprimanded for that, but it's fair that people are kind of bummed about not being, being able to play it. Yeah, I but saw, ultimately, uh, I, I would prefer that Valve have the opportunity to do this. I think if they had, like, if they're making another Half-Life game, they probably should have announced it by now. Just even if it's like temporary or if it's just a logo, just because mm. it, it feels like a you know um, Diablo Immortal kind of situation where it's like if they had announced the the proper sequel and this kind of offshoot, I think people would have been totally fine with the offshoot. But I think one of the big successes for this game is the fact that they announced it and said, and it's shipping on this date or in March, I believe they said initially, and then bam, they hit it. You know, just that idea mm -hmm. that not leaving fans wanting for years and years when maybe they don't know what's coming or when they're going to reboot it and stuff. But all the messaging coming out of Valve, which is fun to see Valve interviews on the internet, but uh, like all the messaging coming out of Valve is that, hey, we're raring to go. We're like a tip-top shape to keep making Half-Life, which is awesome. But there was one interview in particular uh, on Polygon here, Robin Walker from Valve, they were talking about whether or not um, this game could ever exist outside of VR. And Robin Walker says, yes, it's going to happen. I'm fine with it for the sake of the other members of the team. I don't want to say I encourage you to mod it, but it's going to happen. I think people will then hopefully have a greater understanding of why we decided to build the product in VR than they do now. So hmm. like just implying that like at some point an indie team, like the Black Mesa team or something, somebody's right. going to retrofit this thing years from yeah. now. Yeah. Because there are already, like, uh, I was tracking, like, threads and stuff for Alex, and people were saying, like, oh, how long until this is modded to run on my PC? And I was like, what? And then someone, like, the next post was like, well, here's what it would look like if someone were to do this. Because apparently there was another game that was modded to do to work outside of VR. Yeah. Uh, and it, it looks super janky, but, like, if you, if you have to play the game outside of VR, I mean, eventually someone will do that, I imagine. And I guess Valve is okay with it. But I would definitely recommend playing it if you can't if you have any way of doing it and can buy a headset or something uh i would definitely recommend playing it in vr because it it i feel like it is worlds different if you play it with just a monitor yeah i saw like uh mitchy d who's at ea was tweeting about this and even during our stream serial you were talking about it how you're sick of the storyline of like valve's back baby 
Yeah, because like I mean, they've been you know they obviously they made Dota, the one of the best games ever made. Uh, <laughs> no, and no, no, been... no, I, I checked the last game they made was Portal Two. I think that's what yeah. the world I, thinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, like even then, e- even knowing that like um, most of their stuff has been multiplayer oriented, right? It's Dota, Counter Strike, Team Fortress, uh, Artifact. Uh, so like, I, I totally get the the sentiment of like, okay, they're making a, a narrative focused game, right? Like they're they're back to sort of the beats that they covered in, in Portal Two, which I totally get that. But you know, like it's not like they've been out, they've been retired for the last few years. And I remember them saying like a lot of that. The reason we didn't do that was because we were focused focused on this multiplayer stuff, and we were working on getting our VR tech up to snuff. And so, like a lot of their a lot of their research has been hardware focused, which is why you didn't see a lot of games. But you know, they've messaged that they're they're trying to do more headset uh, or like a uh, single player focused stuff going forward. And uh, they had an interview with IGN where they were talking about like, Gabe, what are you working on right now? And he's like, ah, brain neural interfaces, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he's been saying uh, that for like 15 years. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, you know, who knows? Like maybe that, that's maybe next gen. Cause he seemed pretty convinced. It's like, yeah, maybe in a few years, that's what we'll all be using. Who knows? But uh, that's kind of what I've been dabbling with. So valve is definitely <laughs> like in the tier cause they are privately owned. Right. So they are in the in a very rare tier where they have a bunch of money and they're not accountable to anybody. So they yeah. can basically do whatever they want for better or worse. Right. I mean, they're cool they're actively turning into Black Mesa. Like it's gonna exactly. be a problem. That's the yeah. goal. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny in that interview too. I really liked it where Gabe Newell's like talking about the release of Half Life Alex and he's like, "This is it. This is as good as it gets." Everybody, because they're asking him about like his favorite Valve game, and he's like. I mean, Half-Life Alex, like, this is what everyone's screaming for, right? And, like, not being a very invested in Half-Life myself, Kyle, like, that's my overwhelming question. It's just, like, is this it? Is everybody happy? Are, like, are you as happy as you can be as a Half-Life fan? Uh, yes. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, this this feels like, it's not called Half-Life 3, but this feels like a, a new Half-Life. And yeah. it's also, like, in terms of narrative and story, like, like they're doing smart things in the sense of like, I know what's happening next and they're using that in fun ways. Like they're mm-hmm. letting that play into it. Like sometimes prequels are kind of boring. Cause it's like, well, I, I know what the end, the finish line is here, right. but like, like you meet a Vortigaunt and Vortigaunt's kind of function like Dr. Manhattan a little bit where they kind of like can see throughout all time. Sort of. It's like vague. Yeah, they're kind of omnipotent them in the yeah. game. Yeah. Like they, they live all timelines and stuff like that. And so like, interacting with that character like that character knows what the future is and so like as the player who knows what the future is but alex doesn't like that's fun you know i mean that's really cool so is do you think that without spoilers do you think that's what they were getting at when they were talking about how like you should definitely play through episode two before you start half-life alex um i mean it acknowledges the end of episode two pretty early oh really there's a big thing that happens at the end of episode two that like is important that you should know i I mean it's you can DM me. I'll tell you what it is if you want. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if you read the, if if you read the like Epistle Three entry that Mark Laidlaw kind of mentioned, the the Borealis is a ship that can uh, that was like part of some like Philadelphia like experiment where they eventually like it got messed up and so now it travels through space and time basically. Yeah. So Which like, is, I, I haven't te- finished it. I have no I like I have no inclination to know whether this is not the case. Um, that like there's a chance that there's a section where the the borealis phases in or something you yeah. know like they there are elements in the half-life universe that would allow some of the the, the loose threads to move forward even if this is a prequel right yeah. right uh kyle i don't know if you saw there was a great interview with us gamer uh with chris remo formerly of campo santo uh, who's a designer on this game overall and then also eric wolpa 
Um, but just on the Remo side, is interesting because he talked about how in the last year, the game Half-Life Alex became a whole new game is the way he described it. Because he said they had like the layout and the shell and then they just focus tested it and reiterated, reiterated, reiterated. And then kind of in that last stage, then added the story from Sean Vanneman and Wolpaw and Jay Pinkerton and stuff. Um, but then the more interesting part for your interest was talking to Eric Wolpaw and they asked him about what was going on with Psychonauts 2 because he was going yes, to co-write. I was just about to ask. Yeah. yeah. It's like, isn't he even working on that too? It's a real bummer. So he says, quote, some of that went out the window a little bit when they got bought out oh. by Microsoft. So I haven't heard a whole lot since then. I did some work early on and I don't know. I don't actually know what's going on there at the moment. I mean, they're working on it, but I think maybe my involvement ended unless I hear from Tim Schafer again. It's just like this confusing thing. Of like, I don't know if they're going to use anything I worked on, but whatever. Well, he's used to working for Valve where like, you can just do whatever you want whenever you want. You don't have to show up. You can go work for other companies entirely if you want. So weird. So I guess he's like just contracting. Yeah, I'll go work Valve. on another game for another publisher. That should be fine, right? Well, it's like a, it's like a podcast. You know, He's guesting on Psychonauts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And by the way, I guess he's like contracting into Valve to work on Half-Life Alex and hopefully feature stuff as well. But he's actually okay. living in Cleveland, which I had no idea. So. Okay. He's been there for a while. Oh, really? Interesting yeah. guy. Interesting guy. All right. Uh, hey, Half Life Alex. Good job, Valve. Yeah, yeah they oh, did it. One more that thing. Logo is cool. Yeah, it, actually, that was when I was having so much trouble getting it going. I could, I could see the logo at least, and I was like, "That's a good logo." <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to playing this someday. Uh, but I, real quick, I just I wanted to highlight one thing I do think is is I guess you could say revolutionary is like a, a big word that it's probably too bold. But um, the act, the action of being able to essentially throw yourself objects from far away yep. is feels really good and solves a problem that almost every VR game has where it's like you reaching objects that are too far away. And that action of like grabbing something far away and tossing it yourself and catching it feels so good and i think i bet a lot of vr games are going to rip that off and it's like one of those things where like when i was all in on portal and i would like walk around my house and be like oh man i could put a portal there and like i could put a portal at work so i wouldn't have to drive to work like you start thinking with portals which was like their motto like i now am walking around my house being like "Ooh, i wish i could like toss myself that tv remote and stuff like that like it's it's doing that weird thing where it like bleeds into my real life so that's that's an element of the game it's a small thing that you use often that like does feel like okay, this is big for VR. Yeah, and yeah. it's one of the reasons I think it doesn't work outside of VR. It's just a lot of the physicality of what you're doing. Like you, Kyle mentioned, reloading the shotgun, I think feels really satisfying because it's you. You literally have to do that flick, like you do with uh, birds, like the super shotgun, right? Like where you have to put in the barrels and then like flip it. You do that physically with your hands when you reload the shotgun, and it feels super cool to do that to reload an actual shotgun by like loading in the shells and then flicking it. That is such a fun visceral thing that. You, you cannot get across with a controller. Yeah, and real quick, uh, are you guys getting sick up in those headsets or what? Yeah, I, I definitely... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've, been take, I've been taking, like, uh, Dramamine just to, like, be able to play, which is a weird thing to say. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, are, you, are you playing full motion, Serial, or are you zipping? No, I'm, I'm, I'm zipping, and then I'm, okay. like... I'm, they actually just added a patch where you can um, just smooth, like, tilt instead of having to do, like, the 45-degree turns, basically. Oh, really? Okay. Which is really cool. Uh, and, but yeah, it's been, I can't really play that game for more than like 45 minutes at a time because A, I, I get a little bit sick and then B, uh, the headset just starts really, cause it's really front loaded. Uh, so it starts like actually physically hurting. Heavy, yeah. yeah. So I've been looking at like, uh, Oculus Quest counterweights or whatever, like, just to like <laughs> figure out a way to balance it on my head better. So like, the, like those are problems inherent to like VR as a whole. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm, I might try. I might try getting some rolls of quarters and taping it to the back of my headset <laughs> to fix that issue. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's so uh, silly. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing yeah. like full motion, and yeah, like I'm just fighting through the nausea because I'm enjoying it so much. So it's so absurd. <laughs> that was a good final question to get that in. Yeah, well, that was amazing. Yeah, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back down to the same level here. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I mean, it's unplayable. I, also, I, think, but... I think my red, the red spot on my forehead is cleaned up a little now. That's but your it was, hair. It looked really Kyle. rough last night. Well, that's my hair. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, hey, run, don't walk. Half-Life Alex, everybody. Um, Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Burt's, yeah, the biggest shocker playing Animal Crossing is seeing your name pop up on my friends list. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the kid. I'm more of a rip and tear guy than a, a, seed, and pl- a seed and water guy. But Yeah, well, I mean, you do that guy. in Animal Crossing, right? You go to an island and you rip and tear all the trees until it's done. You do. Right? You level <laughs> all these little islands that you visit. Yeah. Is anybody else playing? Kyle, are you just watching? Anything? Yeah, I mean, my daughter in wife they're all in like a hundred percent like yeah and uh, I, I i am getting a copy in the mail and i'm gonna join them really um, yeah oh that's so we'll awesome. see if i stick with it but it might just be like i make an island for them to go get fruit or whatever <laughs> just like Village. they can just play for me <laughs> but uh the nook the was it nook miles yeah is an enticing thing to me having that checklist actually makes me more interested in playing than any other animal crossing has yes they give you much clearer shorter term goals you can even go up to tom nook at any point and be like what should i be doing and he'll usually give you a, a couple good tips which is having like okay here is a clear advantage if i catch 16 fish i will get these miles which then i can use to get a bunch of different things but uh Bert's, i'm curious as the cool uh, hard-ass gamer yourself what do you think of this thing <laughs> Well, I, I'm really liking it because uh, my five-year-old daughter is learning the analog stick through it because, ah. you know, Mario's just a little too hard for her with the analog stick. She she tries to learn on it, but it's, it's tricky and she gets defeatist about it. This is like a nice onboarding where she's learning the nuances of having to go through a door and she's starting to get the hang of it. And she just likes, she's obsessed with like looking for the spiders. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a, hey, that's a worthy investment of your time, man. That's really going to pay off if you catch them. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's a really fun game for me to like watch her get into, you know, the, the console experience. Yeah. Do you find yourself trying to, I'm sorry to say this, but like min-max for her? Are you like trying to like steer her in the right direction for like, no, to get the most bells, you got to go over here, you idiot. A little bit, but she's open to suggestion. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, I'm loving it so far. Like if I normally hate treadmills in games if i see any hint of that it's like i'm out but somehow just animal crossing just i mean you can go online you see it it's the best time to be on twitter now because of animal crossing the other stuff not so great but just like just the <laughs> literally what? everything else is on fire but yeah. animal crossing but when your treadmill is just you soaking in a warm bath and it doesn't feel like a treadmill at all you know like that's animal crossing and it's just so many people wrote into the deepest dive too talking about how much they appreciate having like a realistic limit for how much you can even do in a day. Like you can grind it out if you really want to, but you pop in there for 20 minutes, take care of some basic chores and you're out. Like as much as I love Stardew Valley, it's like you could play Stardew Valley for 15 hours straight, you know, and just be so incentivized. But with this, the fact that it like slowly slows down and it's all about patience and rewarding patience over time. And I can't wait to wake up tomorrow, which I should probably have that feeling more in my life, but I have it now because of Animal (laughs) Crossing Horizons. Yeah. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop because the hurry up and wait mechanic is usually a free to play thing. Where it's right. Like, you no, know, you could keep going if you give me a couple more dollars and, it, and the other shoe just doesn't drop. It's like, no, I'm just supposed to wait now. Yeah, absolutely. Have you tried um, like one of the biggest complaints about the game very rightfully is that um, if you have one copy of the game, everybody on that switch has to be on that same island, which is outrageously stupid. Have you tried making your own character or anything, Birds? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you're asked with making a character with up, right? No, I yeah, but I just don't know if it's your daughter or like, are you both playing on the same island or are you just sharing the same character? Yeah, we, we the character is just named Bert, so it's, you know, gender fluid. It can be whatever. <laughs> Everybody can jump in. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's Ada's Isles, so like it's her island. That's very cute. We share the account. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's frustrating to have that weird single cartridge limit, but uh, jumping to other people's islands is pretty fun. Like, there's, you know, a heap and helping of Nintendo menus you got to go through to get there and stuff. But uh, Jeff Court came over and raided my town, which is very fun. He yes. left, uh, I don't know how he typed this out, but he left the longest note I've ever seen in, like, my town plaza that just says... Well, like, he, he used the mobile app, probably. I bet he probably did, yeah. But he just wrote this yeah. long letter about, like, have you been injured in an accident? And just, like, <laughs> this, like big, huge screen. Um, and then the fun thing, too, is everybody in the game has, like, their little code name where you unlock more and more words that you can mix and match for, like, how you describe yourself on your passport. And Jeff Cork, after playing for Game Informer's reviews, because he's been playing for weeks, uh, he came up with uh, the best, which is... Partially obscured lawn clippings. He's <laughs> described himself in that game. <laughs> but it's fun too, like visiting Elisa's island because she spent like 70 hours, 80 hours in the game at this point. So just seeing like what her environment's like. And she loaded me full of coconuts and I saw her, her freaky animals in her island and stuff. So it's a blast. I love it. Um, Serial, what do you think is the best selling Animal Crossing game? Uh, New Leaf, probably the 3DS one. Correct. Yep. New Leaf sold 12.36 million. Wow. Number two. I mean, now it's New Horizons, right? Or are you yeah. not counting that? Do, you, do do we have the data for that? Uh, there's there's something. I, if you want me to look, I sure. Can, I can pull something up. Yeah. So. Uh, does anybody have a guess for the second highest selling? You mean GameCube? No. GameCube only sold 2.32 million compared to Wild World on the DS sold 11.75 million. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, GameCube didn't have a big one. Well, you'd think so, but then the part that blows my mind is City Folk on the Wii only sold 4.32, which seems shockingly low oh, for a Wii game, doesn't that it? Was a, that was like a port of the DS game. Really? So, I didn't even know that, really. I think it had some exclusive elements, but it was it was basically just the DS game. So I think that, you know, people weren't super jazzed about that. Okay, gotcha. Uh, again, if you want an hour and a half of Animal Crossing talk. You can check out The Deepest Dive, which is a standalone thing on our YouTube channel, or the audio version is on our Patreon. Uh, hey, real quick, Metbirds, have you been playing Call of Duty Warzone? Yes. What do you think? I'm ha I like some of the new mechanics. You know, the gulag is fun. I, I love that element of it, mm -hmm. especially if you're, if you're an idiot and you die early. And you, you're like up on that balcony with a bunch of other players waiting for your turn. Yeah. Throwing rocks I love at everybody element. in there. Yeah. yeah. It's I've kind of I've really come around on it. We haven't talked about it on the podcast too much uh, outside of like the first impressions from the first week and stuff. Where I loved uh, Blackout so much that I was kind of like, well, I don't know about these changes. But now, especially because all my friends are into it, and having that crossplay feature is just remarkable. It's like, oh, now all my friends on PC can play with us on PS4, and it is just it's a game changer. And it's anecdotal, but it's just like shocking how many of my friends are into it. People who haven't played a Call of Duty game in 10 years are into this thing yeah. um it's, it's free right you know like everybody can check it out so it, it was a smart move to disassociate it yeah for sure it, and like, so on its own. um the vehicles are a little too overpowered right now I, I i had my victory the other day i was actually hiding in a bush in the final circle as a helicopter hovered <laughs> over me and i was like they're just gonna wait until i pop out of this i'm just gonna stay in the bush <laughs> and they finally came down and then i was able to pop them but oh nice that's awesome are really overpowered people are just cruising through and driving over people and 
Yeah, I had a great time yesterday just messing around in a solo match where I was just in a huge truck. And it was basically like Steven Spielberg's duel, if you've ever seen that, where I was just running down this guy in the car. And we went across the entire map. And it was just like, it's so fun when you're playing just with complete randos online and then realizing like, okay, these people are down for being silly. Mm -hmm. Now we can just have like this stupid car chase and just turn this game into twisted metal at this point. But uh, yeah, they just announced that they're up to 30 million players, which is awesome. But then I went back in time. Um, which you shouldn't do in Animal Crossing. But uh, I did that and uh, <laughs> found that like Apex Legends, after one month, announced 50 million, hmm. which is crazy. And maybe Call of Duty will get that. But just in retrospect, it made me appreciate the success of Apex Legends in a bigger way because, yeah, free-to-play Call of Duty, it's huge and it's a juggernaut and it deserves it at this point too. But it's just, it's wild to think that Apex Legends, after one month, was at 50. Yeah. Crazy. I feel like that's my favorite of the Battle Royale game. Just I love the gameplay in Apex so much. Yeah, just a little tighter, faster. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, you know what I'm frustrated by is the lack of interviews about Call of Duty Warzone. Like not uh being fully invested in Half-Life. I love seeing those Valve interviews and like I want to know more about the development of Warzone, but the fact that they dropped it so fast and development's probably spread between six different studios, so it's tough to have like I'm the Warzone spokesperson, but like I want somebody to talk about designing this thing and it's been radio silence from Activision, which is really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hey, real quick. Yeah. Just uh, Animal Crossing sales? Oh yeah. So this is all grain of salt. Don't know the the full source on all this stuff, but apparently it's they're saying that the week one sales of um, New Horizons outsold the week ones the week one sales of New Leaf, Happy Home Designer, Wild World, and City Folk combined. That's amazing. So if you combine all those like all their first week sales with yeah. the first week sales of New of New Horizons, it's like it's destroying everything it's it's going to take over the world <laughs> yeah from what i can tell everybody in the world is playing it so please uh, leave a comment yeah. for the deepest dive if you support us at any level on Patreon, everybody in the world leave a comment please yeah. we'll, yeah. we'd love to read it it reads them all anyways <laughs> uh controls dlc called the foundation kyle yeah did you did you were you able to play it i know we we're yeah i started it. i haven't finished it yet okay, cool. have you checked it out no i haven't been able to uh, okay. get to it yet so you okay. finished it it's around like four hours you're saying kyle yeah around four hours there's a lot of optional stuff you can do as well okay yeah. what, what do you think uh, I like it. It's it's more control, which is like a little damning because it's like it's really? not it doesn't change. I mean, I really like it like because I just want more control. But the thing the reason I say it's a little damning is because it doesn't really like do anything like crazy or new necessarily. Like you get this new ability where you can pull like rock formations out of the ground um, and you can use it to fight enemies and make platforms and stuff like that to 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 platform. But it, it it's only usable in that one area. So it doesn't really change like the rest of the game in any oh, radical way. Okay. Um, but I, but it's, it's more control. Like it's, it's, it's like new areas to explore new, new enemies to fight. And uh, I, so I, I really had a good time with it. And there's, I was actually, I was messaging uh, Ben Reeves a little bit about it. And there, cause he, I, there's a whole section that uh, there's this optional section that he wasn't able to find uh, where you actually get on a train and there's this whole sequence that takes place on a train and it's awesome. Like it feels huh. like the DLCs, take on the ashtray maze in a sense because Ooh. it's like really strange and weird and unexpected i don't I, like i don't want to spoil it too much but it almost feels like a sayonara wild hearts level hmm. weird i want to yeah. see that because like jumping into it last night what i wanted is more of just new environments some twisted weird stuff new story details yeah. and i was kind of st struck in the opening sections at least where it's like okay still fighting the hiss and actually Maybe just haven't played in a while, but this is harder than I expected it to be, too. Where it's like, I don't think that's what I want. I just want some good, trippy stuff from Controls DLC. Yeah. I mean, the, and the new enemies, because, like, you're exploring, like, underground. Yeah. Like, it's the foundation of the building is the idea. And there, and you are finding, like, 
essentially like cave drawings and the and the hiss that you're fighting are kind of like caveman-esque and they'll actually throw pickaxes and stuff at you uh so it does it it feels a little different in that sense but it is yeah i i, I died a fair bit so, which i i ate up like i was yeah. i was into that i wanted the challenge once i remembered how to play which i had to go into the menus and be like all right what button does what again? yeah totally and then it was nice like uh, jumping into it too and realizing like oh they tweaked the map because that was definitely one of my big complaints yes. was just navigating the map and now they made it has like a blue tint and like different layers are more clearly differentiated with it's the color more readable and stuff. now for sure and that's like across the whole game like if you're not playing the dlc and i think you just download the latest update tomorrow or today at the time of this recording i yeah. think or when this episode airs, like, I think you get those upgrades uh, right. to the map, which yeah. help. Like, it's still, there's still issues with the map, but it, it's a lot easier to read. Yeah. Uh, Did, um, but I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, in conclusion, without spoiling anything, like, do you feel like it adds a lot to the control story? Does it move things further along? It does. Yeah. Okay. And there's one thing I liked about it is, like, Jesse, I guess it's not too much of a spoiler to say that Jesse, at the beginning of control, like, she, lands in this new position which she didn't really yeah mean to right like she she has a new job that she just sort of accidentally found and the thing i liked about her in the foundation is she's starting to get really confident about it because of everything she went through with the full game right. she's like yeah you know i i got this like i'm the boss i gotta like i gotta i gotta i gotta like be confident and like show people that i know what i'm doing and then by the end like when you're going up against the final boss you kind of have to make these like really quick decisions that are maybe not the best decisions, but because she's like kind of gained this confidence as the boss, like it, I think it's, I think they sort of deliver that element of her character well, yeah. you know, over the course of the thing. So, and then there's also like, it does sort of hint at maybe like a new enemy, I guess you could say for the rest of the DLC or maybe a control two, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Here's hope. But um, if you, I, I'm, a, I think I'm probably maybe the biggest control fan among everyone here so i was like i like remedies dlc like i think the alan wake dlc is like some of the best dlc that's ever been made like period so i was like eager to jump back in and i and i liked what i played but it's it's not it doesn't change control in any radical way right like right that. yeah it's a good reminder and if you oh go ahead and if you if you play it and you come across like a film camera like chase it down like it's optional but go do that like follow that film camera wherever it goes is that the train thing Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because you can miss it. That's yeah. how it starts. It's like you're. It's one of those items. Uh, I forget what they call it in the game. That objective like, power. It's an yes. It's an object of power. So when you come across, a, it's like a film camera. Yeah. Don't just leave that thread behind. Go go chase it down and figure out where it goes. Yeah. Right on. Um. Yeah. It's a good reminder too. Just overall, like don't sleep on control. Like that was definitely my take. And we talked about it. You know, during the game. Yeah, of Jeff. Um, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. I gotta play it now. Yeah, man. I have to restart. You absolutely do. By the time you get around it, they'll probably announce the next gen version of of control. Yeah, play that <laughs> and finish Doom Eternal now. Uh-huh. Play more Warzone, and then you solve. And then we'll get to Red Dead. And yeah. you have to finish um, <laughs> the game that you can never remember the name of. Remember Journey to the Savage Planet? Right. Have you that finished that? Too? No. Kakarot? No, of course Jeff! not. Jeff, <laughs> there's too many games. Oh, that's frustrating. Burst, do you have anything else this year that you've really enjoyed? You know, I felt like it was just a dead zone, so I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Online and, you know, uh, checking out some back catalog stuff. Yeah. Uh, so this is like now I feel immersed in new games. I downloaded Half-Life Alex last <laughs> night. I was trying to do it during the day, but video conferences take up a lot of bandwidth and I'm on mm. the phone all day. So yeah. You can just wear the headset while you're in the conference. Just like, <laughs> hold on, guys, I'm doing I'm doing paperwork in here. Kiss like my boss what is a, in 3D. Quick aside, what headset do you have, Bert? I have a Rift. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, hey Kyle, I have this weird compulsion. I have to buy like one of 
every game platform that comes mm. out. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyle, you checked out Wasteland 3? It's like a preview of Wasteland 3? Yeah. Uh, I played like the first hour or two. Okay. Let me pull up. I just had a few notes. Uh, it doesn't I, feel I, like cool. your type I, of game. It's not. It's it's really not. Um, and I played Wasteland 2 a little bit for like a preview at Game Informer and, yeah. and wrote about it. So I don't have like a ton of experience with it. But there were there were some things I, I, I liked about it. Like... um. It's it all takes place in this like icy location, uh, which is just kind of interesting and cool. And it like the base that you fight in the opening cutscene reminded me of like that weird Hoth power structure that they're like going after with like the big pillars. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, that was just like a small thing that was like, oh, exciting. Um, but then you you actually create like a team of two people, and um, you can either like completely make your own, or it gives you a bunch uh, uh, to to pick from. And I was laughing. You'll have to um, get ready to write down some timestamps, Hanson. But please. Uh, one of the one of the bonuses for one of the characters characters you could fit or uh, pick was they had uh, advanced sneaky shit was what it was just called. It was just like this guy has sneaky. Shit. I was like, all right, I'll go with that guy. Um, and then and then in the tutorial, I came across this huge robot, and this like on screen prompt came up, and it just said, "Look out! There's a big ass robot ahead. It'll fuck you up if you try to fight it." So the tone like, isn't obnoxious okay. though. It's just it's just a little loose. It made me laugh, yeah. And it was like it it it's it like it's kind of almost like that that I don't know maybe like Borderlands closer to that I guess, which some people might dislike. But I I thought it I thought it was funny. I, I yeah. guess because it was also kind of unexpected. Like my time with Wasteland Two made it seem like it was a very serious like post apocalyptic story. Yeah. And then like and then I I was talking like you know, fighting my way through all these enemies and I get to like the boss character and it enters this dialogue sequence where he's just talking and talking at me. Like the camera comes down and it's like, you're facing him and he's talking and he's just going on and on about how he was going to kill me and how he's going to destroy me. And then just in the middle of him talking and like, there were even like dialogue options on screen and stuff. Uh, he got sniped by like this character off screen and its head just exploded. And then like, it went straight into combat. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Oh, so, sweet. so I, 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 I came away like positive. From it, like the combat is very like XCOMy, you know, and like the way the strategies work. And I like you can actually um, the just the visuals of like when uh, battles start is very cool. Like this grid just kind of comes from the heavens and overlays on top of the the environment. And it's just I yeah, like I I kind of went in almost like pessimistic just because I was like oh, I'm not a big like strategy guy. I'm not a big wasteland guy. I don't really know this franchise that well but like just isometric just playing that, in general yeah yeah just playing that like first hour or two i was like oh this is cool like I, yeah. I i enjoyed the combat i didn't find it too dense or complicated and i liked the tone and i liked the sort of icy setting and yeah so yeah it seemed cool nice and it's like there's a reason microsoft bought in exile the studio right like it's it's weird to think of this as a hot microsoft exclusive this year it's kind of been a little bit under the radar but it's releasing on may 19th 2020 and it could be like you know wasteland 2 like the metacritics at 87 you know, yeah. like they're solid games, so Microsoft believes in it, so it'll be fun to see how they push it. Yeah, counter-programming against The Last of Us. Yeah, I guess so, <laughs> yeah. in a weird way, yeah. Uh, Bert, anything else you want to say before we let you go? Uh, I am playing a little, through a little bit of the Division uh, expansion, Warlords of New York. Oh, yeah. But you got to be in the right mindset, because it hits a little too close to home sometimes. Right. Mm. Yeah. The bodegas, I think, have more stuff on the shelves than some of the stores in Minneapolis do. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, God. Do you enjoy it overall, though? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, I don't feel like it's doing anything radically different, other than like the the reframing of the loot. And I'm not at the the end game yet, so I can't speak to that really clearly. But I'm enjoying it. They they do really great mission designs in that game. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, Burst. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's good to see all your familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. even if it's over the. 
the screen. We'll have to have you come by the <laughs> studio once we disinfect it after Jeff leaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sure you, you take away that coffee that he's pouring all over your yeah. Oh, it's a real disaster. <laughs> all right, Birds. Thanks so much for joining us, man. We'll see you soon. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Wait, all do right. you want him to clap? Oh, no, that's fine, I guess. Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah, Birds, go ahead and clap. All right, fine. Uh, let's see. Uh, Surreal, do you know how this whole thing operates? Patreon. Wow, correct answer. Patreon.com slash MinMax2Ns. Uh, we're here because you're here, and we appreciate it. We're doing this for you guys. Um, and so we're trying to hit our goal before the end of the month. If we hit uh, our next goal on Patreon, then we're going to create a regular interview show for developers, for filmmakers Ooh. for musicians yeah, you, it's gonna be all-encompassing you can interview anyone that you want now i know it's it, very exciting you always had to use to try and tie it back into video games somehow and it was right like, right well jason muse i yeah, guess he's he in this upcoming about... game yeah but now it's just game on and so i really want to create that so that's our next goal and so if you're listening to this or watching this we'd appreciate the support if you support us at any tier you can leave comments for us to uh, read out for the deepest dive on both animal crossing and for the final Fantasy 7 remake which is going to be the next one do I say the name of the game too fast? No, that's fine. Okay. Final Fantasy VII Remake? You get the idea? Um, but also, you can get your picture on the TV. If you support us at the $50 tier, your name is in the credits for each and every piece of MinMax content that we produce and release, including clips on YouTube, everything like that. And we'll read off uh, your name on the podcast. Um, but our biggest supporter right now, which is very generous of them, is I'm 8-Bit. And they support us in a wonderful way where we have community questions on each episode of the MinMax Show podcast. And then we choose our number one favorite question submitted. Mm -hmm. And then I'm8bit ships out something amazing from their store. And we recommend that you check out their store and use the promo code MinMax, M-I-N-N-M-A-X, of course, and you get 10% off. Um, Kyle, what do you think is the best-selling thing in the I'm8bit store? Mm, the best-selling thing? Yeah. It's probably a very specific soundtrack. Uh, like a... For some popular game. Uh, that is number two. The second best-selling thing is the League of Legends selected, selected Orchestral Works vinyl soundtrack. Number one mm. best-selling thing is the All Mega right. Man X Anniversary Classic cartridge, which we gave away in a previous uh, Question of the Week winner. Number That's three, nice. the Cuphead vinyl soundtrack, which is just mm. amazing. Also, Last Guardian's up there, which... You know you have a cool audience when the Last Guardian vinyl is at the top of that heap, so definitely check it out. Um, they also have the soundtracks to both Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisps on vinyl with amazing artwork by Aaron Vest and uh, the full soundtracks from composer Gareth Coker. So please check those out. They're very cool. And as everybody knows, those soundtracks are good. Okay. <laughs> is that is that part of the copy? <laughs> <laughs> Community questions. That's their motto, right? These soundtracks are good. I think so. <laughs> Community questions. We'll choose your absolute favorite. And I'm 8-Bit because they're so generous. We'll ship out something very nice. Uh, Jeff, um, do you want to grab the last? Nope. One in the middle. There we go. Nope. The red one in the middle. Yes. This week, the question of the week winner will get red. Red. They the red get... album? That's right. That's right. Uh, they'll get the Gang Beast soundtrack on vinyl, which is very sweet. Also, surprisingly killer soundtrack. Okay, here we go. First question is from Rachel. Rachel asked, do you think a lot of upcoming games this year will have delayed or maybe even canceled releases because of the coronavirus? How much do you think the game industry will take a hit? Yes, Rachel. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> okay, yes. great. Next question. <laughs> no, this is definitely a huge thing. You know, thinking about, yeah. you know, even Jason Schreier, who's uh, the wise sage that he is, you know, he's definitely beating that drum of like, brace for impact, everybody. The delays are coming. Like, don't fool yourselves. Um, but yeah, it's going to be colossal. Like, think about all those games that were in development for Next Generation in particular. 
and they're in peak development, nearing crunch, I'd imagine, if not in the middle of it for these next-gen launch games. And now it's like, what are they doing? Like, what yeah. is Gorilla going to do in theory if Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is a launch game for PS5? Yeah, like, and, that's a terrible timing. And even with developers who who can figure out an efficient way to work at home, like, it's not going to be as efficient. And just with everything that's going on, that it's... Everyone is being affected right now in terms of work productivity yeah. by being on lockdown, essentially. That's that's going to affect... I, I guess the, like, the best news that we can say about this is you may not notice because there's so many other, other economic and social impacts that we're going to be experiencing in the so upcoming months. you be too distracted, months. you're saying? Yeah. You, you, may not, you may not be worrying about which video games get delayed. Well, yeah, I'm sure our audience will still care a lot about this, yeah. but yes, it's a solid point. But I'm trying to think about even stuff like The Last of Us Part Two. I mean, that's getting close to shipping. They were probably putting the last screws in that baby and tightening it up. So, like, who knows how if that even is going to be affected. Like, I have no idea of what time frame we should be yeah. scared of. Yeah, or yeah. if if publishers are even going to consider delaying games just because, are they going to be able to get them into people's hands? Like, yeah. you, you can buy them digitally, so at least that's there. But if certain game stores aren't open yeah. anymore, and even if Amazon is delaying sending out non-essential items going forward, you know. A lot of people wrote in um, talking about, like, do you think there's going to be a trend of people who have something on pre-order physically and they're like, F it, I'm just going to download it. I think yeah. that's going to be a thing. And somebody even suggested, I'm sorry, I didn't include your email, but it was great. Or sorry, your comment on Patreon. But they said like, do you think developers or publishers would ever allow for maybe like, here's a digital code that will time out after two months and then you can pick up the, mm. di the physical version. Like oh, that'd be a really huh. smart idea, but technically... I don't know how the hell that would work. Yeah, if, yeah. if they're not. I set mean, up we've, for that we've already seen uh, Square make the announcement that Final Fantasy VII copies are going to be maybe a little more scarce than they thought. And right. you know, right now you literally cannot get that game on Amazon. It's yeah. Last I checked this morning, but uh, mm. uh, it's been. It's. I think there's a good chance that Ghost of Tsushima is maybe the first game that gets delayed out of summer. Interesting. Uh, maybe oh, like yeah, yeah. So, somewhere around September, October. Does um, anybody? I mean, all speculation. But does anybody want to? plant a flag in the sand and make the call are consoles for sure launching this year well i think microsoft they said xbox is still on track but yeah and that's I mean, the that, weird thing they they came out and said thanksgiving window which is even but a then little they took earlier. it back did the, they yes they did okay yeah there was a weird correction of like well i think that got out ahead of time but we'll see but i don't know if they still confirmed for 2020 but they definitely backpedaled on the thanksgiving okay. date yeah because that that seems like the biggest headache of all of them i would I would think if people are going to run into problems printing discs, creating entire consoles, which you know is all happening in China, right? How how are they how are they going to how can you even plan for this at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's got to yeah. be so many balls up in the air and question yeah. marks for these companies. So basically, any game that's coming out after middle of April, <laughs> brace for impact for delays. Mm -hmm. Don't get your hopes too high, everybody. Yeah, and if you're trying to get them physically. Who knows? Even if even if publishers are going ahead with it, who knows when or how you, or how you're going to be buying those? Yeah, and, and I would I would also mention even though it's board games, which is much more complicated, I think for yeah. them, uh, Asmodee has, which is the biggest publisher of board games now, has announced that they're basically pushing out all of their new releases. They're, really, they're all on hold at this point. Oh just my because, god! Yeah, who knows? 
Yeesh, uh, Jerry Young says, hey, everybody, had a question about next-gen launch titles. In the past, launch games have always been very hit and miss with new consoles as developers work to get familiar with the new hardware. Uh, this time, though, everyone seems really excited for the launch. For the launch games coming for both consoles. Why the change this time around? Do you think it's fair to expect launch games will be better this time around? We don't know anything hmm. about the PS5 launch titles. We're all guessing yeah. it's Horizon I, Zero Dawn yeah, 2. I mean, I mean, I mean there's... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say maybe because Horizon 2 is so strongly rumored. Yeah. That everyone and then like yeah. uh, Halo is probably going to be there at launch. Like everyone's kind of using those two as examples, but yeah, I don't know. It is a weird assumption to make. Yeah, yeah. I, I I also wonder. I think maybe the Switch set like a really high bar for, for mm. launch status, even if it was just Breath of the Wild. Just I think um, more than ever, I think people are kind of latching on to the idea that at launch you should have at least a killer game. You know, yeah, you should uh, definitely release one of the best around. games ever made at launch. Yeah, just do that. Uh, no, but I like. I think it's especially important this generation because, like, as much as people want specific things out of the PS5, like, you know, uh, longer or shorter uh, load speeds, you know, like Xbox has, like, the multi-app switching stuff. Um, but I think there's less of an incentive, I think, from the general population of uh, that you need to upgrade. So I think maybe companies are a little more incentivized to, like, let's not just have, like, the next step in our console. Let's, let's actually have a game that you're going to want to play. And, you know, whether or not that's going to work out for Microsoft, who doesn't have any exclusives at launch for the Series X, um, m maybe they're making a gamble there. But I think Sony definitely is probably going to announce like a major game for their for their launch, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. The um, it's weird to think about last gen or I guess current gen, you know, what was so exciting. And I remember it's like people were really stoked about Second Son and then that got delayed. So that quite, wasn't quite at launch. So it was just a matter of like, uh, knack. I'm trying to remember, was anybody losing their minds about any launch games for this current generation? I don't think so. I think I think la knack was the moment I lost my mind, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's Shattered like, reality. the weird one that I kind of think of now is Warframe. Like, I feel like well, Warframe yeah. benefited a lot yeah. from Benefited, being on but I don't think there was a matter of hype of like, I can't right. wait to play yeah. this on my PS4. No, I just happened it, to be helped, there. Yeah. yeah, it helped Warframe more than it helped PlayStation 4. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Uh, Jacob L says, howdy, min-maxers. What are some search features you've wanted to see in storefronts like Steam and now Game Pass? Recently, I've always had howlongtobeat.com pulled up on my phone while I search for a new game. Would you guys search for a new game by length? Or how about gigabyte size? Yeah, I, I want length okay. stuff on basically every medium, honestly. Uh -huh. uh, Porn. I, like, I, I, like, even if, I know that it's a, approximate with games because, you know, people play differently. But just seeing an estimated length kind of stat on, like, Steam, I think would be pretty cool. Um, and, and like, I, it's hard to do it on the back of the box because maybe developers don't want to out the length of a game as part of their marketing material, whether or not maybe it's shorter than people expect or whatever. Um, but that's, that's definitely something that I think, uh, is super useful because that, that often determines what I'm going to play. Like, oh, well, maybe I can get through this game pretty quickly so I can just squeeze it in between these two other things. I'd also want it like on TV shows, just like watching stuff on Netflix or Amazon Prime, just like I would love to see like, hey, this is a, a half hour show. This is a, an hour long show because that also is how I like to some degree determine what I'm going to watch. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to look. Is short like a tag that's on Steam? Maybe not. I guess I thought it was, but maybe that's not the case. I mean, but yeah, people would just see that as a, a, a negative, you know, like yeah. short just means short means bad for a lot of people, which has always been strange to me. But yeah, yeah but we're special. We have to play so many games um that's true that is yeah. true and i think steam is better equipped to have that stuff because you know after you play a certain number of hours it tells you like hey would you recommend this game mm -hmm. um 
And so, like, it could ask you, like, it could have that be on the page for the game. It's like, hey, how long would you say this game is after, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily have to be after you beat it, but, you know, yeah. like, after you've played X number of hours, like, would you say this game is however many hours long? And that they could use that data to to put that on the store page. Yeah, for sure. The um, I could really use a notification or something whenever a new game is released on Steam and it's new and overwhelmingly positive. Because every time I see a game with that review of overwhelmingly positive, I'm like, all right, I'm going to check it out. Even if it's not my cup of tea, I need to dive in and play this thing no matter what, right? And so I just wish there was an easy way to sort or get a notification that like, hey, something completely out of nowhere potentially is amazing. Don't miss it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah which... that, and that overwhelmingly positive, you have to hit a threshold of reviews, right? You can't yeah. just have two amazing reviews, right? No, I, yeah. I think the minimum is 10 reviews before you get uh, a label and stuff. But maybe, you know, okay. get a little north of, north of that even just to make sure that it's legitimately overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordan Brown says, what's your biggest PlayStation 1 era game that you missed and wish you had played? What a good question. Final Fantasy VII. Oh, you would have been a completely different person if you would have played it back then, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, to a certain degree, yeah. Short I liked... hair. <laughs> uh, wouldn't have to wear glasses. You'd care about I the environment. I would have yeah. realized that um, turn-based strategy or turn-based combat can actually be fun. It took Hell me forever yeah. to, like, learn that, so to speak. You know? <laughs> I, was a, when I was a kid, I remember going to a friend's house, and they had a Final Fantasy. And I remember just starting it up, and, like, they were in the middle of a save. And I was like, wait, there's no jump? Wait, wait what is this, a menu? I don't want to do this. How do I? What, let me, what, I'm going to back out of this. And that colored my perception of turn-based combat for years until like i think it was super mario rpg was the one that i was like oh i like this this is cool you know an older game no no i understand okay it wasn't seven got it uh for i me, went i i played mario rpg late i was like in high school that's fine no one's perfect uh, i think of uh valkyrie profile i think that's probably top of the heap and it was one that like maybe some friends played it but the fact that i was hot and heavy into rpgs on the playstation one and somehow miss valkyrie profile it's mind-boggling and it's just you know game informers joe juba raving about it at all times now it's like god at some point i need to go back and play that and especially indivisible is that the game that came out last year yeah that was kind of a a huge homage to valkyrie profile that really cemented it that like it is absurd that i didn't play this old enix rpg i think just the perspective threw me off at the time or something yeah i think for me it's probably final fantasy tactics oh Uh, wow like a lot of people talk about that game as being like the secret best final fantasy uh and and like i i haven't heard anything anyone say they don't like that game um so that was definitely a game that i i feel like i should play at some point well you're in luck cereal because you see that a new game just released today on mobile uh that's like the successor to final fantasy tactics oh yeah i saw that yeah uh it on, is on mobile, right? final fantasy brave exius which is like square's weird free-to-play homage to final fantasy tactics and mm. you know the kotaku article was like it's filled with some free-to-play nonsense but if you want oh. tactics it's basically the closest thing you're going to get for a while oh. here from square but then i also have final Fan- i could literally just play final fantasy tactics no you should play this garbage mobile game yeah all right cool i was about to say a uh, war of the lions is on ios yeah yeah, yeah but i don't know man uh jeff anything <laughs> I, I didn't have a PS1, so basically everything, oh I guess, from that, from that era. Oh, you disgust me. Yeah. Uh, Mexi Flores says, I imagine you heard the news of Kyle Bossman leaving Easy Allies. Yes, very sad, um, but good for him. Uh, my question for you guys is, what do you guys do? Or, quote, <laughs> how do you measure your passion slash drive to keep creating content and not letting it kill your enjoyment of what you guys do on a daily basis? In other words, how do you maintain that fire burning? 
Thanks for all you do. Thank you. I just like games so damn much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Powerful. I mean, no. it, for me, it's the thing that whenever I worked any other job, uh, it was the thing that I would do otherwise. You know, like it's not, right. it's not like a, a secret to say that's like, oh, I got into this industry because I love games, but um, it's just weird that I would be, I would be playing Half Life Alex anyway. So just the, the fact that. I get something out of the fact that I'm playing what I would, that I'm doing what I would do anyway, I think is, is like a good way to say that like, this is what I like to be doing full time. So. Yeah. And I did worry about it when I started the game before back in 2010 about just, Oh man, I'm worried about burning out on these games, but no, like I still listen to gaming podcasts. I still play games. I still record plenty of gaming content. And it's like, I'm not sick of it. It's just constantly changing up enough. Plus like in terms of burning out with the, with the career and stuff, I'm not too worried about it because like it's so fun to try and make the most out of online content and just making new YouTube videos and always trying to crack new headlines and thumbnails. Like it is such a puzzle to try and get a bigger audience that like that I can't imagine ever getting sick of. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the one time that games can feel like work is reviews. I think every other aspect mm. of it, like if whether we're doing a video uh, or anything else, it it that feels cordoned off in a way where it's like if I'm editing a video or if I'm like you know, recording a video or something that feels very separate from the act of enjoying the game by itself. Cause right. it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in a different application. I'm like, I'm doing stuff around the game. I'm doing video capture, things like that. Uh, that stuff definitely feels like a, a process very different from actually playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say that there have definitely been times when I have felt burnt out, but that is more the work side of things. And I think it, it helps to, let yourself take a step back from from whatever is negatively affecting you from at certain points, which I have definitely done. And it's I don't check a lot of, you know, news feeds for video game news, you know, since since the layoff, which was certainly a part of the old job and not my favorite part, you know, yeah. following video game news and stuff. And it it has been a, a weird mix of kind of stepping back and not being online as much since we started min max but then also playing more games which is the part that drew me to the job to begin with right, and so right. it I, and there are times when i go through dips in terms of wanting to play games too and i think that's fine and i think the danger of burning out is when you're forcing yourself to do the things that you don't like to do and if you do yeah. that too much and it's okay if you don't play games for a couple weeks you know and you're passionate fire is still burning in your core for never finishing a game yeah so yeah you still got that going yeah you got to remain true to yourself so <laughs> uh tim laro says have you ever put thumbs down for a show on netflix i feel like most people just don't watch things they won't like i don't think i've yeah i don't think i've thumbed anything on netflix or in life yeah neither. wait well I actually, I did like reset my account because I have like, you know, my wife's account, my kid's account and my account. Yeah. And then I had to delete, like delete my account for some reason. So I started a new account. And when I did that, I went through and thumbed up a bunch of stuff just because I thought maybe that would help me get back to my old right, right. algorithm. Because right. oh, they do it at that, the beginning, right? They ask you like, hey, what kind of shows did you And don't they do like a weird survey when you start your Netflix account? Yeah. I don't even yeah. know if I did it right because I was like, I really like BoJack Horseman. I know it looks like I haven't watched a single second of it, but I swear I really like this show a lot. <laughs> Feed me more of that. Uh, Kyle, have you seen the David Wayne movie, They Came Together? Yeah, of course. That movie's very you funny. Jeff, again. Have you seen this? No, and, but I love David Wayne. What so. American Summer is your favorite comedy of all time? I have never even heard of 
I've seen a lot of his other weird stuff, but yeah. I have not heard of this. Oh, oh it's yeah, on HBO. It. It's on Netflix, right? Uh, it's oh, on it's HBO. It okay, might be okay. on Netflix. I don't know, but I for sure saw it's on HBO. But yeah, I just watched it last week, and it was exactly what I needed. Just stupid, stupid comedy. And it's like, you know, it's that Wet Hot American Summer ratio of like 30% of the jokes are like, this is too stupid. And then uh-huh. 70% are, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, but I'm laughing like a maniac at it still. You know, yeah. he And has... then there's that one scene where you go through that whole cycle in one yes. section. Yes. You okay. know exactly what scene I'm talking about, right? And there is a joke in this. God, I've probably <laughs> raved about it on MinFax or Q&A or something, but there is a joke in that movie at the end, Kyle, without spoiling anything. Is I... that an appearance of an actor? No. No. Okay. No, right. it is. I'll tell you off the air, but... I have thought about it every day, and it's made me laugh out loud. Like, it is the silliest, dumbest thing I've seen in a movie in a long time, and I love it. How much uh, Christopher Maloney is in that? More than there's any reason he should be in it. Like, Really? He's in it? Oh, that's awesome. He's in it, and it's just like this weird shoe-owned role that makes no sense whatsoever. He has also made a show on Netflix that I think it's called Medical Police or Medical Detective or something. It's basically a mashup of a medical show with, you know, like a 24-style police yeah, show, yeah. which is the yeah, dumbest it's, concept. It's a spinoff of Children's Hospital, I think, right? Oh, with, really? With, with, yeah, I haven't watched it, but yeah, it looks funny. Yeah, I, I watched the first episode. It wasn't... It wasn't as funny as I was hoping for just from the premise, but when it, and yeah. I didn't I didn't know it was David Wayne until I got to the credits at the end and I was like, oh okay, this makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. right. I retroactively like this. Uh, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Victor Fam says, what are your favorite small touches and games that improved immersion for you? For me, it's games like Uncharted Four, where long guns have straps so that the guns can actually hang off your back and not magnetically attached to your back like in most games. But yeah, favorite small touches in games that improved immersion. Also, good plug. The rumors are saying that Uncharted 4 is the PlayStation Plus title for next month, by the way, which is very exciting. And that and the Grid 2. Hell yeah, man. That game's great. I played it. Um, but uh, it's a good reminder, too, that back at Game Informer, we had a game club for Uncharted 4. So if you play it on PlayStation Plus and you want to play along with us in a game club format, you can go to Game Informer's YouTube channel and find that. That was super fun. But, okay, some f- favorite small touches. What stands out? I think of... um. This, it, it's, it's hard to think back to this, but like there was that era right before Arkham Asylum came out when everyone just assumed the game was going to be bad. Because we were like, it's a Batman game. There's never been a good Batman game. Right. This game's going to suck. It lo- I mean, it looks cool, but yeah, I just, I don't know. And I remember, like, playing it, intro's really cool, and one thing that struck me, and it's not, like, exclusive to Batman or anything, but there's, like, monitors all over the hallways and stuff like that, like, up yeah. in the corners. And I remember throwing, like, just kind of messing around in the game, and I threw a Batarang at one of them, and it, like, blew up, and it was like, there was no reason for it to blow up or anything, and I was just like, okay, if they're taking the time to make sure these things are destructible, like clearly they're detail oriented, that makes me optimistic about the rest of this game. And then yeah. I ended up like absolutely adoring that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I also like in Arkham that like uh, they do a really good job of not making your cape clip all that much. It, <laughs> yeah. it is a surprisingly like clip free cape, uh, which is which I thought, that was I, on the back of the box actually. Yeah, which was cool. No yeah. clip and cape. People misinterpreted as saying that there is no cape and they were just cursing really weird. Uh, no, but one, <laughs> one actually to bring up Alex again, uh, we weren't able to do it on the stream, but you can actually wear a bunch of different objects on your head, uh, including buckets. So you can like pick up a bucket and put it on your head. Uh, and I, and someone mentioned that you could, it protects you from uh, head crab attacking you. Oh, like, oh but it, it obscures a ton of your vision. So it's like it's probably not something you're gonna put on for very long, 
but yeah, I, I, I was wearing a hard hat for a while because I was like, does this does this help me? And then like after a while, I was like, I don't think it is. But <laughs> I, I don't know if that's I have no idea if that's true at all. But yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. it'd be pretty cool if it if it's like, well, I can take less damage, but I have to have like half of my view obscured if I'm wearing this bucket. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is that is super. You can also wear like gas masks and stuff, which is which is a thing that the, I don't think maybe serves any gameplay purpose, but I think it's pretty. Did you uh, are you streaming the rest of Half Life Alex? Serial? Uh no, I'm 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 streaming something else later today, so. Oh, what is it? Uh I'm I'm going to try to beat a boss in uh Deltarune that I wasn't able to beat before. Oh, cool. Fun. Uh I would also say whenever whenever developers put in actual titles for books and kind of those those kind of yeah. you know additions and and when they take it seriously unlike Ubisoft, which is always just like book 1 book two chinese <laughs> restaurant uh-huh but but when when people actually fill those things out or if there's like newspapers that you can zoom in on and actually see article yeah. text and stuff like that yeah for yeah. sure i think like tacoma i think was pretty detailed for like the amount of like just different things you can mm-hmm. read through like that yeah. entire field even like the campo santo game stuff like that um, not, not to talk about alex again but there's literally <laughs> they do that in alex a lot too where the at the beginning like in that battle the game you can actually pick up a book by dr kleiner with like a full like cover and on the back it's got like a synopsis and everything like oh that, wow they, they do a few of, they have a few of those nice um stud muffin says how's that merch selling uh it's <laughs> selling he, yell it? he yelled it yeah he yelled it minmax.com slash merch if you want to check out everything there uh and then he says how comfortable is Serial with people wearing that shirt he made uh you know what if you're if 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 you do it do it proud you know like okay all right say it, say it loud do it proud don't throw a hoodie on over that no cereal special right. you can find it in the it. store everybody i didn't want to put it up there because we're a family-friendly podcast but cereal insisted <laughs> that's right i sent you multiple emails i knocked on your door and then left uh-huh <laughs> anyways uh geo banagi says this is more of a question for mr markia fava but comments from all are welcome so I've been trying to find board games that are fun for me and my girlfriend to play, but the problem is that she tends to like the simpler games like Candyland. All right, that's condescending. <laughs> Whereas I tend for the more involved games like Mansions of Madness. Recently, I've bracketed a sweet spot for us somewhere between Settlers, Settlers of Catan being more her thing and Betrayal being more mine. Do you have any recommendations that fall directly in between those two games? I love this. <laughs> no. What? Uh, well, because because of the way that you just read it. I, I guess I... Look, I looked through my library when uh-huh. I was at home and I was taking notes, which are on my phone, which died, so I can't see them anymore. <laughs> but I, I was leaning more towards Catan because those are that's two very weird games to mash up. I, I guess in, te- in terms of in terms of complexity, I see what he's saying. Right. But I was leaning a little towards a little more towards Catan. Mm-hmm. I would say that uh, there's a game called Blue Lagoon, which which you're kind of building out huts and, and creating kind of routes in between things which yeah. kind, of, kind of fits the mechanics of Catan. Um there is Stone Age which is a, a worker placement game that's often considered often considered an introductory game in the way that Catan is but introductory for worker placement where you're kind of putting cavemen out and then you're rolling a big bunch of dice depending on how many guys you send out you're collecting resources to build kind of these different huts and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, and then there is a game called Tiny Towns, which it, which you are basically c- 
collecting different cubes and putting them out almost like threes, if you can imagine. Oh, weird. Uh, and then and then once you once you get a specific layout, that will turn into a little building, which will score you points Hang in on. different ways. Tiny. Th- it sounds exactly like Triple Town, the mobile game, but no relation. What is? Triple Town. It's the best mobile game ever. It's not important. Okay. Um, well, if that, Triple Town is anything like threes, then it, it kind of is. Yeah. yeah, it was before it, but yeah, um, yeah. I think of uh, this seems like a good candidate for something more complex than Settlers of Catan, but it's more abstract. But it is one of my favorite board games of all time. But Azul, A Z U L, yeah, um, which is impossible to compare, but more heavy on the strategy. Um, it's about strategically laying tiles and trying to maximize points. The best I can come up with is somewhere in the realm of I, I never I'm not even gonna make the Yahtzee comparison because I've made it before and people are like, you're insane. It's nothing like Yahtzee. But in terms of like locking down, like, okay, this is gonna be my this route, this is gonna be mm-hmm. this route. And so check out Azul if you like strategy games. Yeah, they've they've made two additional types of Azul games since then, um, which Maybe more or less complex, depending on what he's. Have you played for. those expansions? For I, I haven't, and they're they're not they're standalone games, kind of just riffing off of the same themes. Okay. Another game that he may want to check out that doesn't have any kind of mechanics uh, shared between those games, but is probably more more complex, but probably about in the middle is a two player only game called Targi, which is Targi. Kind of, yes, T A R G I. Uh, it's. And it's it's basically kind of worker mechanic and set collection, but it's it's a it's a thinkier game that that my wife and I have enjoyed as well, and and we kind of fall we probably fall in the middle there in yeah. terms of complexity. There it is. So, uh, Adam Moran says hello, Ben and the Ministers. How do you schedule out your game time? Do you play in the mornings, afternoons, evenings, or just whenever an opening appears? How often do you pull late nights, all nighters, and is that usually playing a single game or jumping between a few? I make the most progress on the weekends, staying up as late as I can, but it definitely impacts my weekend mornings, and my girlfriend doesn't love it. How do you schedule out game time? I mean, evenings and then random, you know? <laughs> like, it's always... I, I'm a, I have a, you know, uh, a kid, so there's, like, little windows that kind of pop up randomly. And then for, like, Alex, I was kind of like, hey, I really want to play this, uh, so I'm gonna, I want to set aside time to play this tonight. And then I ended up staying up super late last night, which I don't really do anymore. Do you have to say, like, back off family? I mean, kind of. I mean, it's basically if if I'm playing VR, I basically have to be like, "Hey, I'm going to go downstairs and close my eyes and cover my ears." So, like, you know, <laughs> so I don't have like, to. I want I want you guys to know what I'm doing in case you need something from me or something. But yeah. it, it was like one of those things where I was like, "Hey, Alex is coming out this week. I would like to like let's set aside some time after Claire goes to bed where I can like make sure I spend some time with it." You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a little bit all over the place for me. Evenings. Weekends are just great, but I got a pretty relaxed schedule. But I imagine a lot of people are working from home. I have more of a yeah. mushy schedule at this point. But yeah, I'm, I'm mostly evenings. And if there's a game that we're going to talk specifically about, then I try and carve out some more time with it. And I don't yeah. jump around too much. I try and keep it. If I got a chunk, I'll devote it to one game. Yeah. As long yeah. as it's not Red Dead. Of course, anything but one of your favorite games <laughs> yeah. of all time. Got it. Uh, it's on his list. He just constantly crosses it off every day. Don't play Red Dead. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Justin Hughes says, hello, Neb, Elec, Fedge, and Laris. I've always thought it was cool how many people uh, you all have met and interviewed in the gaming world. Of the countless names out there, who is the nicest, funniest, most humble, 
most likely to be a Bond supervillain? I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, Justin. You're the nicest, Justin, hey. for supporting us on Patreon. Yay. Um, that's not what he was asking. Though. Yeah, that's true. All right, a lot of categories there. Do any developers jump to mind for anybody? Hmm. I mean, uh, the, the sort of the boring answer is they're all very nice. <laughs> You know? For yeah, the that's most part, a, that's yeah. a boring crap And also answer. all surprisingly humble compared to, yeah. I would imagine, other entertainment mediums. Um, Serial. Uh, oh, I thought I thought you were going to go ahead. But I was. I, like, I, have, I have a really fun story of, uh, not to make this the all Valve episode for me, but uh, when I went to visit Valve for Artifact, uh, they had like a few like tournament matches that weren't streamed or anything. But they just were showing off like high level play or whatever. And I just like sat down next to Brad Muir and we ended up talking about like Dota and, and Artifact and just like games in general for like two hours. It was like one, maybe my favorite conversation I've had with a developer. So, That's so sweet. Did he ever? And it was weird because I, I can't imagine that guy remembers my name at all whatsoever. But it, it was fun to just sit there and talk. Uh, with him for a, for a long time about just like really deep like well what do, how, how did you work out this specific mechanic of this well we actually spent like a you know a, a day or so on that trying to figure out this specific intricacy it was like yeah. a really cool like deep design kind of formerly of double fine he was in plenty of those videos and stuff yeah. but uh so in those interviews for the launch of half-life, half-life alex uh gabe said that they're kind of revamping artifact that basically mm-hmm. internally they're even calling it artifact too but we'll yeah. see how it releases what do you think about that uh, I mean, I think that uh, I, I'd be curious to see how much of the overall, like, phys- like literal game they redesign. I think there is some problems with, like, uh, um, like a lot of effects had, like, flip a, head, flip a coin kind of mechanics where it's just, like, randomly you'll survive an attack or not, you know, things like that. There was maybe a little bit too much chance involved. Um, but I think mostly what they're trying to, um, I imagine what they're trying to figure out is the financial model because it was yeah. just, like... It was literally the same as a physical card game where you had to buy individual cards or buy card packs and just getting in was $20. So I think they're, I think maybe they're just trying to figure out how to make it free to play and how to uh, justify like a feature set and an overhaul that would justify them saying like, hey, Artifact is back and making a big push for it. Because, you know, I know that like a lot of uh, people kind of like rag on that game, but I think its biggest failure was as, a, as like a product and not I think like the overall game of Artifact is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, and they, it was just kind of this weird failure at market for them. Right. Uh, anyways, back to Justin's question. Um, funniest developer I've ever met? I'm sure. Well, I guess like Tim Schafer, I guess, you know. But like talking to him, I think Nate Fox is up there from Sucker Punch, which you wouldn't really guess because he was so serious when he revealed Second Son and everybody made fun of him for saying that he was in a protest and all that stuff. But Nate Fox mm-hmm. is the funniest guy in a very mm-hmm. Norm MacDonald kind of way. Um uh, most likely to be a Bond supervillain. I love the guy, but clearly Mark Cerny. I think uh, he <laughs> just sees the world as the Matrix that he wants to enter so desperately. Um, let's see. Uh, nicest, I would probably give it to Jake Solomon, the creative director for XCOM Enemy Unknown. Also, tallest drink of water, I'd give it to Jake Solomon. Oh. Uh, but he's, he's very funny too, right? He Jake is very super funny and just super, yeah. super nice, yeah. Um, and most humble, my mind immediately went to our cover story trip back in 2014 for No Man's Sky because it made us laugh so much because it was Jeff Cork and Brian Vore and I on that cover story trip and like all of Hello Games but specifically Sean Murray during that trip just kept being like oh I'm sorry and he kept just saying like he's like oh would you like some 
coffee. We just make some in a pot. I know you're used to like Naughty Dog level <laughs> snacks, but we just have some coffee from the pot. Like he just kept being oh, and like he was wincing as he kept just naming big studios and how we're mm. probably disgusted by everything in Halo Games. Like, no, we're cool. Like, it's great. And he you even, spat in his face saying, how dare you? I was fine with everything except their toilet was not functioning, which was an issue at the time. I assume <laughs> since they've moved, they've upgraded uh, bathrooms a little bit at Hello Games. You pooped but... it in anyway just to spite them. That's right. So no. This is what I think of your coffee. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, another one I was going to uh, yeah. bring up was uh, John Carmack was surprisingly... I don't know if down to earth is is the right because he is a very eccentric person. You can tell that you know he is a tech genius kind of person. Yeah. But, but they... I think it, I think it was for Rage that I went out there a long time ago for really? a preview. Wow! Uh, and they they kind of built up, you know, like okay, you're gonna interview Carmack, and he's gonna come in soon. And and he he just seemed like a a normal kind of person you might have pulled out of an IT department, and was just very humble. And you know, just kind of we had a chat about the tech behind the game and stuff, and a lot of things I didn't understand, but was just a very nice person. And then you know, yeah. shook my hand when he was done and walked out and. I love Just that. a very unassuming person for someone who created a very big company and and has had a very big impact on the on the industry. Yeah, that is that yeah. sweet spot of like seeing PR be nervous before the person enters and then they come in. And it's like, oh, it's just a dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's no big deal <laughs> yeah. here. It's the best. Uh, yeah. I uh, I think Scott Taylor on the Destiny Two stands out for me as someone who's like very very down to earth very like self-deprecating uh like to a nice degree and yeah it's just like naturally funny in a way that didn't seem coached or anything you like if you watched our like game informers rapid fire videos on the destiny 2 forsaken yeah i think he, he was pretty lively in that in a way that like he was just not planned we didn't talk about anything he was just like, someone who just likes to talk about random stuff and, and bring up jokes and stuff which is pretty really nice to see in those kinds of like very like pr centric uh yeah uh, environments yeah he seems i don't know if it's like a nervous energy but he, he's down for tangents you know more than yeah. most developers during interviews yeah. and stuff I was like oh, that's cool all right we'll follow you here um sam marsden says hey min max with the coronavirus pandemic um oh with the coronavirus pandemic the recent sales of plague inc on steam have skyrocketed um by the way speaking of which i saw on steam charts they had like a tabletop simulator on steam it's up like 800 mm. percent or something <laughs> anyways um have you seen any older game jump in sales based on a current event no i don't think so not that i not, not not that i can you know say here that we can't point to numbers yeah yeah but yeah. i i have this entire time i've been thinking i should i kind of want to play pandemic the board game since this has happened something crazy is my girlfriend bought pandemic legacy but bought it for us to play in like January. So we've been playing Pandemic Legacy mm. together, just holed up in her apartment. And it is very weird. And of course you get like with legacy versions, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's the one where it's like one-time use type of thing where mm-hmm. it's like an ongoing season and you rip up cards and you draw on the board and things change and stuff like that. So you get to like write the name of the viruses. So it's like, okay, well, here's COVID-19. That's going to be yellow. And <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but... Uh, it eventually turns into creating basically zombies um, across the board, oh, no. and so it's it's a bad. You should look. you should have you should tell people that actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's what the podcast is for. Uh, but it turns out, a, oh yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, Witcher is kind of a. It's not like a, a political thing, you know. I mean, it wasn't because of some current event, right? But when the show aired on Netflix, like, and that's right. Yeah, the, the sales like blew up all over again. Which yeah, is yeah, that's true. Yeah. Kind of expected. 
Uh, Mark Ramirez says, hey, Ben, in the quarantine-loving courts, uh, Jeff Cork okay. stopped by my island in Animal Crossing and dropped off some new fruit for me and my family. What's a real nice thing someone has done for you in a game? Oh, uh, Journey as full of examples, yeah. I think. I remember I wrote actually a blog about it at the time because it was right when Mass Effect 3 was going down and just like everyone was all angry about the ending of Mass Effect 3 and I was just like frustrated by how like uh, just mean I guess you could say people were being about the end of Mass Effect like it had ruined their lives or something and I remember being in that state of mind and playing Journey and this person with like a really long um, what is it called the uh, scarf scarf and who was white which means that they like had played the game a ton was just sort of like trying to pull me along and like they showed me the secret uh like halfway through the game where uh they they had elements of that game company's first game which was like that 2d flow flower flow Uh, not flower flow there's like there's there are flow (laughs) elements in journey that you can find and like someone had like just this random person who had clearly played Journey a lot was like, "Hey, uh, ch- come check this out. I'll show it to you." And I remember, I remember like after being so frustrated with the way people were reacting to Mass Effect 3's ending, yeah, like experiencing that and just being like, "Man, there is like some really like there is like a community of nice people who aren't just like really angry about video games, like doing cool stuff like this." Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, that's great. Stephen Toth says, "Hey, I teach at a university, and we had to drop, or had to move all of our instruction online." As I've been struggling through horrible audio and dropped video connections, I keep thinking to myself, is the era of digitally streaming games with things like Stadia and xCloud really here? <laughs> I hope this is a wake-up call that the U.S.'s online infrastructure isn't that great. That's a fair point. Also worth noting, no, it's, everybody's it's online. It's fine. All the YouTube videos are going down to standard definition, so it'll, it'll fix it. Are they really doing that? Yep. I, I think I'd heard that at some point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think uh, Sony's, I think in Europe, is talking about like, oh, we're going to like try to measure out bandwidth or whatever to, to all our users to make sure that everyone can actually use our network. Right. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, how's the internet been holding up for you guys? I tried to watch an episode of Seinfeld yesterday and couldn't. Ah. That's my story. That is a struggle. I noticed like Zencaster wasn't working. Otherwise, this podcast might have sounded better. It was really chugging, so I was scared to use it. But. Yeah, I haven't noticed too much. Okay, all right. But been lucky so far. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ninja says hello, Minimus Maximus. It was announced that the Xbox Series X One controllers. <laughs> all right. Uh, clearly, the name's a problem because he's all over the place. But anyways, he says they'll use uh, AA batteries by default. A lot of people seem to be upset by this and want Microsoft to switch to internal rechargeable batteries like Sony. Personally, I prefer this method specifically because I can buy a rechargeable battery pack and use that. This allows me to easily replace the battery pack if it goes bad, unlike PlayStation 4, which requires taking the controller apart. What do you choose? What do you prefer? Batteries or rechargeable? This is a great question because I'm one of those people that hates the fact that they do standard batteries yeah because because most people and i and i applaud him for actually taking the step to get rechargeable packs and i do that with my xbox as well the, the current one yeah but you gotta understand that most you know 90 percent people aren't going to do that and they're just going to continue using double a batteries and throwing them away and yeah. when you start doing the math on that the Wii was the worst one because it was oh like a hundred million Wii's and each Wii controller used like two or four batteries or whatever and everyone had four controllers and like yeah. once you start doing that math it's absurd yes and, and even with when it's internally built 
I get that they can go bad, you know, over time. I haven't noticed that with my PS4 at this point. It still holds a charge. But you can always just get a long USB cable, too. Or, or even a short one and just plug it into a normal plug wherever you have it around. That's how I usually play them anyways. I, I think companies just have to take that into account. and, Or they could just create a, a rechargeable pack and sell those with the controller. Yeah. You know, just have it come with it that, so that you can pull it out and replace them with other ones if you want. It to. is absurd. Yes. Yeah. Kyle, are I, you into this? Uh, I mean, no, I, I, in terms of like gaming, like I like having batteries because if a controller dies and, and I need something quick right away, it's batteries are easier and it gives you an instant, instantaneous like Just have charge. a large charging cable. Yeah, you can just plug it right in. You can in. do that with a controller that uses batteries too, though. You can just yeah. plug your Xbox controller directly into the console and it, no, it, I, it and work like a wired controller. And in terms of just waste, like I'm totally with you. Like, I, I, and I have rechargeable batteries for my Xbox One controller, but like in terms of convenience, it's it's hard to deny batteries. Yeah, I've yeah. also had like if we want to destroy the planet for convenience, then go ahead. Well, but like I, 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 I use rechargeable batteries. <laughs> I also use rechargeable batteries, and I feel like that's that is the ideal way. Like they should just sell rechargeable batteries with the Xbox controllers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jeff, and we can turn this TV off. We can remove them from the screen. Yeah, yeah. I have here. rechargeable batteries. I'm just saying. I but, can show you. But you, you also recognize that 90% of the people don't, and they're not sure, going to do I, that. They're just going to use like, normal AA batteries. Whether or not people I'm do it is is you. like separate from what is the, like my favorite and best solution like damn it kyle RJ, why won't you get like, on board with what this? is the best thing you could do right <laughs> jeff like, i'm sorry kyle's attacking i am like, pro planet is, is what i'm disgusting. trying to say i like the planet yeah if you would have played Final yeah, Fantasy seven back in the day you wouldn't be using these crazy energy sources gonna, that hurt our planet i'm gonna start a game of pandemic legacy yeah. and the virus is going to be called rechargeable double a batteries <laughs> but you can only what play as long want? as your dualshock force battery lasts uh-huh yeah. I thought we wanted rechargeable AA batteries. I thought that was the goal. Shut up, Hillier! Shut up, Kyle! <laughs> Phil S. says, Hello, well, current times have been pretty rough lately, so let's reminisce. How was high school for you? For me, I did well in school and had a close group of friends that got super into rock band when it came out. Yeah, I love high school. High school was awesome. It's just a lot of making dumb, jokey videos with friends and watching them skateboard awkwardly. It was, it was cool. <laughs> I pined after Great. this woman for like years and then I ended up dating her for like six years. I was like, yeah, that was cool. It all worked out. And then they told you you can't date your Did teacher. It? So you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that's the definition of working I out. I a six-year relationship is working out. Okay. Uh, uh, I was playing, in, I played in a band at the time that I was really into and enjoyed. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was cool because you didn't, you, you went home and like there was literally nothing. Like, ah, uh, like if I don't, if I done my homework or whatever which usually i didn't have much like it was just like i could just do whatever i want with no repercussions i don't have to worry about like well this thing i gotta worry about this thing i gotta worry about taking out the trash or like there was just like no nothing on my plate so yeah it was a good good times for like making yeah like uh videos with friends and stuff and what kind of videos did you make just driving around uh just like dumb like we had we had this one teacher that we just like basically like deified for no for no real apparent reason uh, and we just made like because he was our AP chemistry teacher. So we just made a, a movie called AP chemistry, the movie where it's just like us doing our impression of him, which is not accurate at all. It was just we It started as like us turning like one phrase that he said, which was like turns out, which is not like a, a catchphrase that most people have. And we just turn it into this ridiculous like 
a southern accent that he just did not have at all and we just made a bunch of videos of us impersonating him and uh, like the students being very stupid and him being like very smart or whatever and it was it was i think when he sh when we eventually showed it to him and he was like i think his wife sent us a note at some point that said that was very creepy <laughs> <laughs> but what did um but what did lorne michaels think about it during the edition Oh, uh, he he told me I need I need to needed to worry less about my arms or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> what's a what's a good Lorne Michaels joke? Yeah, I don't he know. always he says uh, he says uh, do you like wigs? I guess somebody <laughs> said that he asked that sometimes. Anyways, um, anybody else have high school? Jeffum, do you yeah. have high school? Okay. <laughs> uh, Donnie says, "Hey, friends, it's been weird staying in quarantine. Just my dog and me, but I'm lucky I can work from home. It does get quiet though. And I was wondering, what's it like for those who are quarantined with others?" Pretty much like a normal day. <laughs> yeah, Jeff never leaves his house yeah, no matter we, what. We just watch some Netflix, go on a walk. I guess avoid people more on the sidewalk. Do you? Like, how much do you move on the sidewalk? Uh, normally, it's okay, I think. If if we're going down a block and we see that multiple groups are on the same block, kind of shambling and going... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But then, then we'll... Occasionally, we'll switch to the other side. Yeah. They, they kept asking me for brains, which I yeah. thought was very weird. <laughs> I think it's the cure for the virus. We've also been doing this thing that we're, we're dubbing, I have a patent for it now, called walk squats where when we get to the end of a block my wife and i will both do 10 squats wow good. which is also kind of socially embarrassing so then i also i also try and figure out the distancing so that people don't see me stopping and doing a bunch of squats yeah. and then well i mean there, there are fewer people out on the streets than ever so it's like yeah. and if someone does see you they can just be like well times are weird right now i guess people just do <laughs> yeah. people cope in different ways Gotta man do walk squats what what's with you trying to compete with my microwave squats idea I tried to build it on last week's show, and now you're coming up with a whole new hey, squat. Wait, I, well, I would squats. never want to do microwave squats now that I can do walk no, squats. No, microwave squats, squats are still good. Throw those other squats in the trash. No, Forget about no, those. sir. Mine are still good. Hot talk walk squats. I don't even use my microwave. Uh, Kyle, you losing your mind over there? Uh, no, we're doing okay. The big thing is, like, I just, like, can't tell my kid to go to bed. It's just harder. Because it's, like, it's outside? Well, no. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Her bed's I in the mall. I can't be like, so. you got school tomorrow. You got to go to bed. It's like, no, I don't. I'm like, uh, oh, no. wait, is this whole thing a lie, Dad? <laughs> I don't have to go to school. We're, we're doing okay. I mean, there's a little bit of cabin fever, I guess. And like, my daughter gets That's these weird bursts of energy and wants to do jump ropes at like 10 o'clock at night every night. And I'm like, we should be heading to bed. <laughs> like, your daughter seems on. like, and I'm not pointing fingers, but I'm pointing about your daughter. She seems like the type of person that like has so much energy that if you were trying to play Half-Life Alex, you would like run up and punch you in the butt repeatedly. Is she doing a lot of that? Uh, no, I did set it up and she immediately was like, dad, I want to play. And so she ended up playing this like sports game for like 20 minutes and knocking the controllers against my desk. And I was like, okay, okay, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. Regular cereal over there. But no, she's nice. She doesn't, she's, she doesn't play pranks on me. Okay. Good. That I'm aware of. Uh, Philip Hinkle had a very sweet, uh, submission here just talking about, um, being in AA and the difficulty of being in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous during this period. And so he just wanted to put a shout out there saying, hey, if anyone in the MinMax community is cut off from their support groups, I urge you to look into organizing meetings via Zoom. It can literally save your life. On a video game related note, I've completely lost myself in the world of Days Gone. I find myself perhaps morbidly craving games and books and movies taking place within post-apocalyptic worlds. Days Gone is fantastic and I recommend it. Anyone else find that they have a craving for end of the world stories lately? Wow, that 
that's kind of a question. And I guess that's kind of why I gravitate towards pandemic, I think. But in that okay. case, you're trying to fix the problem and right. not kind of, kind of, I, I think it's hard. I, mm-hmm. I think games like that would be hard for me to do at this point. Well, yeah, Hazel Muhammad, he says, hey, quick question you've probably heard before, but hey, what the hey, do you think people currently living through a pandemic will want to play a game about a fictional pandemic and living life after it? Said game in question is The Last of Us Part Two. Do you think this is going to be a weird yeah. tone for Last of Us Part Two to release into? I mean, media sort of reflects the current state of the nation, you know, like... I think I think people will sort of gravitate toward it and in, and enjoy it. And I think media for the next couple of years are going to be a lot of stories about, you know, disease and pandemic and stuff. Like I that. agree. Like that's but where fiction's going to go for a while. I, I think in this case, it's a little more on the nose, you know, like yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like usually that and what, Resident Evil 3 is coming out soon, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's right. kind of like, well, you know, things are kind of weird for the government or people are are a little more concerned about economic problems. It's not usually like. There is a pandemic killing lots of people right now. Let's play a game about a virus killing lots of people. Right, right. Well, I mean, but look at Animal Crossing. It's a game about fantasizing going into debt and people are going crazy for it. So, and that's <laughs> that the thing. It's going to happen pretty soon. So. That's true. Yeah, Art that's reflects true. life. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Knocking Nick says, Howdy, Maxers. The year is early, but I think I can already say that Animal Crossing New Horizons has an outstanding chance of being my 2020 goatee. Have you guys planned played a game that you think already has been crowned as your personal pick for the year's best title? Um, I mean, maybe if Animal Crossing, m- there's a chance it'll be a contender for me. But I think Final Fantasy VII is that shining yeah. beacon on the hill that I'm crawling towards. So I can't imagine anything topping that. Yeah, I don't. I guess it would be. Well, now this is another quiz of can I remember every game that's come out? I think it's probably Doom Eternal at this point. But I okay. think. I think that's going to be beaten eventually by what? By other games. Pick it is, right now. Is is Ghost of Tsushima coming out this year? Well, we think, yeah. Yeah, probably probably that up I probably end up liking The Last of Us 2 more than Doom Eternal maybe. Okay. Um and I guess Final Fantasy 7 is the wild card. If, you know, I'm looking forward to playing it. I don't know how if it's going to blow my mind or if mm-hmm. it's just going to be like, well, yeah, you know, I I enjoy that, but Yeah, yeah for sure. So. I think uh, I think Ori for me not is going to be one that like I have to make sure I remember because I'm like I'm really enjoying it a lot and I and it's one that I could see myself forgetting in a couple months you know yeah just because yeah. it's familiar it's a sequel you know but like when I'm actively playing it I'm like this is so good you that, know? I'm yeah. shocked that you didn't say Half Life Alex yeah I I mean that I was thinking about that like it it it'll certainly be a contender but I, yeah it's not it's not game of the year for me. Yet. Wow. Okay. It's, I think I like it just because I like Half Life so much. If it were a non Half Life VR game, I think I would like it, but I don't think I would like it as much. Yeah. Like the the Half Life element is is carrying a lot of the weight, which is fine because I love Half Life and I want to play a Half Life game. But for yeah. sure, yeah. You. Uh, it's also weird that like, uh, they like Valve had a perfect enemy for VR in the head crab where. Oh, at your, yeah. I'm yeah. sure they had like a lot of high fives. Like, wait a second, we've got head crabs, and then they all just high five. <laughs> Eureka! Serial, uh, uh, how do you get those things off? Can you pull them off? Because I've been just like you can, you, yeah, you can my chest. No, yeah, you can push, you can push them off, but it's kind of finicky. Okay, uh, yeah, I think I've just for been shooting myself in the chest, like ah, yeah, get off me. <laughs> yeah, which is weird that you can do that. Uh, yeah. But I think for me, like Kentucky Red Zero is probably like my of the year. Like, oh, uh, sure. like barring any, you know, I think Cyberpunk is probably the one most likely to mm. dethrone it. Um, but at yeah, this point, like, it, it, it has its work cut out for it because I, I, I love Kentucky Red Zero so much that 
it, like as I was playing it, I thought like this is like maybe game of the year, probably on my favorites of all time for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Uh, yeah, Kyle. I think we're joking around in Slack a little bit about how it is going to be a weird thing for talking about game of the year 2020 because there's absolutely going to be that passionate crowd like in larger like you know Game Informer and stuff. Although I don't know. I guess Leo will be that person over there now because he reviewed Half Life, which is crazy. But like those voices are saying like, "No, you idiots! I know no one else has played it, but it's clearly Half Life, Alex." Like there's going to be that pocket at the end of the year, yeah. which is going to be fun. Yeah, to that's kind of one of those repercussions of it being in VR. It's just like they're one of the like the biggest even beyond having one is just like i don't want to put on a headset because like at the yeah. you know for example at the game of office we had like three or four vr headsets it's just like very rarely people would go in and demo stuff totally it just seems like on it was only like maybe once every few months people would be using those headsets there's yeah. there's also that argument of oh yeah i mean it makes me physically nauseous to play it but <laughs> best game yeah. of the year yeah i mean that's that's a fair if, if that holds you back from playing it then it's like yeah, well, it's a, yeah. that's a, that's a that's a major element of it you know tyler yeah. carver says i'm currently playing through sonic forces on playstation 4 since it was free with playstation plus and i gotta say this game is garbage, but I'm still <laughs> nearing the end of the game. By the time you see this, I may have beaten the final boss, but it made me wonder, what was the last game you played that was objectively complete trash, but you found some kind of enjoyment out of it and continued to push through regardless? I recommend you check out MinMax's YouTube channel for a little full let's play of Dirge <laughs> of Cerberus colon Final Fantasy VII, which... Uh, I thought was a real hoot for the first six and a half hours because uh, my friend Grant was playing and he was just plowing ahead and we we're just talking about Final Fantasy VII. It's part of the overall celebration of Final Fantasy VII. And then Grant got sick. Um, oh, no. And so I had to pick up the controller three-fourths of the way through that game. And so our last stream was me actually playing it. And the, the fun twist was that I loved it. Like, it's not a good game, but, like, I really cheesed my way through, like, a bunch of fights and stuff. And I had a blast playing that solid six and a half out of ten back in 2006 so you can check out that video for that but uh yeah yeah i, I definitely played uh detroit become human mostly out of spite by the end of it okay uh, there it is just because like I, I played some of it and i was like oh, i liked heavy rain you know as much as the next guy and then the more i played it the more i was like okay the people specifically at our office really like this i need i know that like the strongest argument you can have like a for or against the game is whether or not you've literally played it right and, and i know that if i didn't do it so no one would have like well you didn't finish it so i don't know so like i thought like when i go into this argument i want to be able to say i played it i finished it and i hate it mm -hmm. so i i definitely played the latter half of that game thinking like and i so i can say that it sucks <laughs> and Jeff was able to say that without starting it, which is nice. Um, Dave Yanity says, hello, friends. I'm a manager at a grocery store, which has been a particularly stressful job for the last few weeks, trying to keep our shelves stocked and trying to help our customers feel comfortable and our stories difficult, um, physically and emotionally exhausting as well. MinMax has been a consistent salvation for me. You all have been great in helping me decompress and laugh after some challenging days. Thank you, Dave Yanity. So in honor of that, I've also invented a game for you called... Did Duke do that dookie? <laughs> okay. oh, no. Duke Nukem okay. has spoken some pretty horrendous one-liners during his overlong existence, but can you tell from the following list which lines Duke Nukem has actually said? Brilliant. All right. You ready? Mm -hmm. yeah, how do you want to do this? Like, we each take a turn? All right, Jeff, um, Guessing. Yep. Okay. You have to tell us, did Duke do that dookie? Okay. And do I have to say all these as John St. John? Yes, okay. obviously. Yeah. Your ass is grass. And I've got the weed whacker. He did that dookie. Duke did that dookie. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Hilliard. <laughs> okay. Now you see me, 
Now you're dead. <laughs> I kind of like that one, so I'm going to I'm going to guess that he didn't do that dookie. Duke did that dookie. Duke did that dookie. Serial. <laughs> <laughs> Take a hard look at the last hole <laughs> you'll ever see. Uh, Duke did not do that dookie. Correct, Duke, do not do that dookie! <laughs> that was a good one, though. Uh, oh, we're just getting started. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeff, um, <laughs> oh, this is very easy, allies. Uh, little pig. <laughs> I'm losing my duke. Okay. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Or I'll huff and I'll puff, and I'll kick your ass in. <laughs> uh, he didn't do that dookie? Duke did that dookie. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, no, Kyle. Uh-oh. Your privates are about to enter the public domain. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He did not do that, Dookie. Okay, that's Serial Vasquez, I'm going to butt punch the shit out of you. Duke did not do that, Dookie? Dick did not do that, Dookie! Congratulations! <laughs> Way to go. Oh, boy. All right, question of the week. What do you guys like? I like oh, the... um. I like Jacob's one about the search features we want. I think that's yeah, an interesting, that's interesting. thinker. Um, I like the PlayStation 1 era. I like the developer, our favorites, fitting those categories. I like whether the game of the year has already been released. What do y'all like? I like developer, I think. I do like developer. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with uh, some positivity for developers. We know. Yeah. <laughs> It is yeah. true. Uh, Justin Hughes, <laughs> congratulations. By the way, I just realized I am 8-Bit doesn't ship out the ones we have the table. There's no reason we're not opening up these vinyls. And, like, look at this amazing art inside, you know? Yeah. Uh, so congratulations, Justin. Uh, I am 8-Bit will ship you out the Gang B soundtrack. And stay tuned for next month. We'll have a whole new wave of cool stuff that I am 8-Bit will send us. And then we'll ship out to you for submitting great questions over on patreon.com. So next two ends. Thank you so much. Uh, and for now... It's time for a segment we like to call Get a Load of This. Uh, Kyle, do you want to go first? Sure. Great. Uh, I have a quick one. Hey, guys. Get a load of this. Yeah. This actually, uh, there's a, I guess a little backstory here. Hanson, um, nah, I'll, I'll get to that later. So this guy, uh, Force in Unison Gaming. This is actually from February. I've had this one in my pocket for a while. Uh, there was a picture of Reggie fils with a few other folks. And it said that his height was like six one, I think. Okay. And and the guy tweeted, "Jesus, how tall is that guy?" Uh, referring to Reggie Fizeme. And then Reggie Fizeme like pulled that tweet and commented on it and said, "Don't believe everything on Wikipedia. Real height is six two five. I was six three, but shrunk with the burden of all the mother three questions." All right. Isn't that weird. <laughs> that that happened for... physically to him. That yeah. That, how that, dare that people want happened. mother three? But I remember. <laughs> I'm always like looking at his Twitter account because I think of something you said when he when he oh, no. revealed he's like I got this Twitter account I've left Nintendo, and I think Hanson in, in a, the Game Informer Slack you said something along along the lines of like I will pay you five hundred thousand dollars if he ever tweets anything interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always like every time he tweets something that I like kind of raise an eyebrow at I'm like, is that interesting? Is that does that get the five hundred thousand dollars? It does I don't think he has tweeted that. I don't think anyone has won five hundred thousand dollars. Although the like the interview he gave on the podcast, I would label that interesting. Yeah, that was good. Did I guess he tweet by that, interesting. He did not. By tweet interesting, that. I think I mean just like controversial, opinionated. You know, not just like I certainly loved my time at Nintendo. Right, know? right. Yeah. Donkey Kong, he's a pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Um. Hey, get a load of this. Yeah. Hey. 
Uh, you're just gonna have to watch this video yourself. Oh my everyone, god! Everyone who's watching it. Uh huh. But it it's called Chinese father creates death stranding suit to protect his baby from coronavirus. Uh huh. And it's <laughs> it's basically just a three minute clip uh, that someone interviewed this guy showing off the absurd recreation of the death stranding suit with the little baby thing. You know, you I've seen like Halloween and cosplay versions of this, but this is apparently a functional one, but he's also just way too into it. And yeah. like he's put Umbrella Corporation stickers on it and oh, everything. Okay. And then it shows him going out with this poor, portly little baby out, you know, to like the portly. playground with him strapped into his... Uh, Funny Death Stranding Ugh, suit. All those fluids. What a mess. Yeah. Is that a Mega 64 sketch? <laughs> <laughs> this is a real thing that someone did to their baby. Serial Vasquez. Uh, so I've been enjoying uh, Animal Crossing posts on Twitter as much as people have been actually enjoying uh, Animal Crossing. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I guess that you can load up music in the game and the villagers will apparently sing along to it in yeah. their weird, like, monotone, like, kind of tone pitched. Animalese. Yeah, and, and someone, I guess, there's a there's a KK Metal song in the game, and I just want to load up what that sounds like when the villagers are singing it. So that's the song. Uh-huh. And this is the villager singing it. Is it as choppy in the game? That's amazing. And you morons don't like Animal Crossing? There you go. Got to get it now. See, here's the thing is that, like, I don't have to find this content myself. People will just post it on Twitter and I don't even have to play the game. <laughs> Did right. you know that the Twitter.com website is just Animal Crossing tweets now? That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, but, like, there's a filter that says, like, you know how you can filter out words? Yeah. You can reverse mute uh, Animal Crossing so that's the only thing you see oh, on Twitter. Oh, that's very handy, yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, get a load of this. Uh, on Wednesday, Dual Shockers, the site, posted... A story with an interesting tease that apparently the wording of PlayStation exclusive has been removed from the official God of War website. So oh, everyone is starting to speculate, mm. does this mean it's going the route of Horizon Zero Dawn next and coming to PC? Uh, so like it's still up there, the official like only on PlayStation wording still on Bloodborne's page, Days Gone's page, Spider-Man's page, Dreams' page, which is a bummer. Um, but they've removed it from the official God of War website. Isn't that interesting? Like, that I never would have thought that God of War would be the next game if is it? if this is going to follow along some sort of timeline that it would be the next game that could conceivably be coming to PC. But that'd be yeah. incredible. You know what game they should actually port to PC that I think a lot of people would get into is Astrobot. Yeah, 100%. Since it, it would be compatible with, like, way more headsets than the PSVR. But yes, absolutely. Good call. It's It's also surprising that they're just so proactive about like well you know we got to be 100 percent honest and get that playstation exclusive off of the website before we do this yeah well i think yeah, it's when, nice wait until the announcement to do that yeah like yeah. is is anyone going to be like um actually sony your god of war website still says it's i don't exclusive. think we can imagine the amount of hardcore playstation fanboys though that are furious over that type of thing which i don't think is understandable but i'm sure it's out there yeah so hansen i I don't want to rain on your parade. Yeah, but that there that was like a thread on Resetera. Oh no! And and the first comment basically, uh, it calls it out for being false. It is false. Yeah, that like it was just a mat like it wasn't taken down. The usage of the tag is just extremely inconsistent, and they were like changing banners. 
So I don't know how much we can really read into that. Get a load of this. Hansen sucks. No, I, I, I love Hansen. Hansen. Does not we'll suck. I just, I, okay. you know, I just want right. to make sure right. we're, we're no, fully... Bob no, is the host of the podcast now. I think hey, everybody. Welcome to MinMax. Let <laughs> me break down the tiers that we have for Patreon. No. Now, now, that being said, I still think like the point of it coming potentially coming to PC is like, it's still strong, you know Kyle, what I mean. Yeah, Regardless of like Kyle, what potential Kyle, evidence stop, is real or not real, stop you burning know? calories to defend me. It's gone, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, gone. it's gone. Anyways, hey everybody listening or hey, watching, get a load of this community. Oh my God, yes, the community choices that's in yes. our Discord that you get access to if you support us on any Patreon tier. Take that's it away, right. Jeff. See, up. I should be host now. You, no kidding. Uh, so this one was posted by Nick Asian Perk. Yes, and it is a tweet from someone, uh, a doctor named Harjinder Singh. Kukreya, I blew okay. that big time. But basically, it's a video of how to wash your hands properly because I promise you, none of us are doing it correctly. And it, the doctor, he put on gloves and he used basically black ink to yeah. show how you're actually washing and how it's spreading around. And so we'll just link this somewhere yeah. so that you can see it because it's It'll actually be it is a much more complicated process. You have than to do a think. weird yeah. interlocking thing yep. and like kind of twist your fingers in so that you get under the fingernails and stuff. They but... recommend removing your hand and then cleaning it on the inside. <laughs> yeah, just putting it in straight into your yeah. oven <laughs> and 400 degrees. So I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing this, Jeff, because I saw that a couple like days ago, and it did change how I've been washing my hands. And I went to go show it to my kid, and I haven't been able to find it again. So thank you, yeah, kid. It will be posted where these things go. Yeah, it's in the show notes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hey everybody, if you like the show, we'd always appreciate if you helped share the show. We're still trying to grow uh, MinMax overall, and we have that next community goal of creating that interview show that I would love to hit. Week the one, end of the Steven month. Spielberg, guaranteed. <laughs> That's right, guaranteed. Also. Uh, we have MinFax coming up on Sunday at 6 p.m. So if you're a $20 supporter, you can call in and ask us anything you want. Uh, we'll be happy to take your call. Um, but thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon at the $50 tier. That's I am 8-Bit, Seth Walker, Beaten Down Brian, The Smack, Juar Hello, Mark Seliga, Jesse Vitelli, Zachary Pleggy, Marco Arrico Torreno, Rob Hudak, and David Lacalucci. Thank you so much, everybody. All right, we'll see you next week. Be good, have fun, let's go into our home and stay there.